If I if I was betting man, I'd say this is episode thirteen. That would be appropriate because we're talking about yes. the thirteenth annual uh, movie marathon, and uh, this Sponsored is Doug. This year again by Fat Fat so. Yeah. yeah, so we should introduce ourselves before we get too far along. This I'm Jacob. And uh, over in the corner here, we have Nigel. Special guest. Nigel. Hey, Nigel. Hey. Welcome, hey. welcome. You may know Thank him you. from such podcasts as... <laughs> totally forgotten. Big Screen uh, Auckland. Big Screen Auckland. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's actually been like 16 months, I think. Wow. Oh. It was just like yesterday. Um, Nigel also does uh, Auckland Cinephile with me, although he does most of the work nowadays. Um, and uh, But yeah, so we've got the um, 24-hour movie marathon coming up. In just a few weeks here, December 8th, and because um, the last podcast we did was so me being relentlessly negative, I thought it'd be <laughs> awesome for uh, me to talk about stuff I'm excited about. And, uh, and we're all very overexcited. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're actually like a bunch of kids before Christmas, even though we've got several weeks till actual Christmas. So I'm, I'm guessing that, this, that, like me, this is one of your highlights of the year? I'm not sure if you can say one of. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I can't think of anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, well. I, I mean, the movie, the movie, um, the film festival is one thing because you know it's 17 days yeah. of great stuff. But um, 24 hours with what? This will be my eighth year running at the film fest at the excuse me movie marathon with a bunch of good friends, getting smelly, getting silly, getting sleep deprived, watching a mix of great films, terrible films. Films that make the distinction between great and terrible seem like a useless one to discuss, yeah. <laughs> and, and all while getting increasingly sleep deprived and the effect that that has on your viewing experience. It's an amazing time. Um, the Hollywood cinema is a great place to curl up with a beanbag and sit back for 24 hours and let your mind go to places you never thought it was capable <laughs> of. Yeah, man. It'll be my... Um, actually, we started the same year in 2005, I believe. Um, but for me, I missed 07, I believe. Um, yeah, 07. Uh, so this will be actually be my seventh. Yeah. And now um, you've been going been since before either of us, right? Yeah, I, st- I still did miss the first two because they were Wellington only, which is a bit of a shocker. What um, year was the first one? 2000. Ah, right, yep. Um, I started the first Auckland one, 2002. However, I missed 06, 07, 08. Hmm. So between so us, we pretty much have complete coverage of the Auckland. Uh, yeah, yeah. Stuff. Well, my my O three and O four were Wellington actually, so I've had a bit of a <laughs> bit of an experience down there as well. So what I, um, the format is, uh, we decided that we talk about our top five uh, movie marathon films, and uh, what we'll do is we'll go around and each give our number five, then number four, and in between, I'd like to say we have listener feedback, but I don't. I think I'd flatter ourselves into that we have 10 <laughs> listeners. But um, we've, we've solicited some other um, people who are marathon regulars into contributing their top five lists as well. So yeah. we'll retrieve those. So um, I'm impressed with just how many you got. There. I'm very <laughs> impressed. And uh, let us we're, we're, we're quite professionals here. In case we forget, thank you to everyone who, uh, who um, stumped up with a list for us. Uh, we all realize how difficult it is to knock down to five Um in fact, I've only just knocked mine down. <laughs> yeah, we, d- we delayed our record for twenty minutes, and and thanks to Aunt Timpson and yes. everybody involved and in the projection and uh, programming. Um, it's a big team, which I yeah. know he's the figurehead of. But um, it's it's a really great experience, and I mean, the main reason that we're do- talking about this now, really, other than to point out films you might have missed, is that if you're on the fence, you should really check it out and come along. Um, it's a great time. 
and uh, it's a great family. If you and move fast, you may still be able to get a ticket. Yeah. Maybe. The tickets have, have been going quickly, but there's still some there, and it's very worth going to, and it will change your brain in some way or another. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, if, if you think you're interested in cinema outside of, uh, outside of the mainstream, old stuff, weird stuff, classic stuff, and the occasional new release. Yeah, and some new releases uh, worth checking out, then you get along. Well, I, sh- I should say, no, not to change the subject, but um, change the tech. Uh, oh, we always say, do that. This year's, uh, he said, if you haven't tried it before this year, this year isn't the one to start on. <laughs> but that, <laughs> I don't what, know what that means is not so many new releases. <laughs> yeah. But you don't come for new releases. Nah, so let's let's start with number fives. Um, what's your number five, Jacob? Oh, holy crap, I haven't ranked them. Someone else start. Nigel, are you ready for a number five? Yeah, I'm doing one on the fly, but um, I'm going with Fight for Your Life. <sighs> That's also my number five, so let's it's have too, a chat about oh, Fight I thought, for Your Life. I thought you were about to say it was too low. Okay, no, no. no. <laughs> I, I haven't seen oh. this one. What year was that? That was 2005. Okay. And... Uh, yeah, so do you want to start by explaining Fight for Your Life? Uh, and why it's so important to you? Well, actually, just in preface to my list, this is, this is a li- usually when I blab on, on a podcast, it's about things I, I know really well, things I've studied, things I've seen more than once, blah, blah, blah. This list is stuff I barely remember and, and know little, very little about. However, it's things that I really reacted to during the marathon. And this one just got me so excited. And I've sort of held things up against it ever since. So it's, um... No, you give a, you give a plot summary. Okay. Um, Fight for Your Life is roughly an abduction revenge thriller that's heavily racially tinged about um, some white racists that take a black family hostage. And uh, it comes from the late 70s. And, um without being particularly violent or having a lot of, you know, visually offensive content, it's one of the most confrontational movies that I've ever seen at the film at the movie marathon. I'm going to do that like 20 times. Again. <laughs> uh, it's the alliteration. Um, in just the level of racial confrontation, yeah. supposedly when it originally showed, there were race riots that went on. Um, for me, it's special because it was the first year I went to the movie marathon. Yeah. And um, I had a rough start with it. Um, they put a couple films that like saw on Devil's Rejects. I wasn't. I actually walked out of both of those. I wasn't. I'm not really into that kind of torture porn stuff. And I'm like, I'm not sure how I feel about this stuff. I'm not. And, and there was some interesting stuff, but um, I was on the fence. And Fight for Your Life came on, and I'd never even heard of it before. Mm. Um, and it just walloped me. And and what I love about film, and I've gone on about this in pretty much every podcast, but nobody listens to these, so I'll go on it again, <laughs> is um, when something happens that just takes you by surprise by going in a way that you would never expect. And sometimes that's an incredible work of art that lifts you and elevates you or, you know, enraptures you with its beauty. And then sometimes it's the absolute opposite. And Fight for Your Life just has that go for the throat, no quarters asked, no quarters given quality to it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of films that are sort of like this that we've seen in, in the marathons and whatnot that are that have elements of this and you have pieces of it throughout, but none of them just go as hard as this. And It's just, it's a... 
I don't know, a slog, but in a good way. It's just so angry, so yeah. racist, so, so uncompromising. <laughs> but it's it's not a it's it's a film about racist people. It's not yeah, a sorry, racist yeah. film, and that's um, I guess something that I would probably bring up in passing is that um, some people struggle with the content mm. of especially some of the older films that play because um, charges of racism, charges of misogyny, charges of um, all sorts of po- violations of political correctness can be leveled at these films mm. and at a certain level deservingly they're not uh, i don't think you can argue that for instance poor pretty eddie is a work of political correctness <laughs> you know it's inter- cutting an interracial rape with scenes of dogs, dogs rotting yeah. you know um but they are products of their time and they are strange fascinating documents and to me i don't think that in general the audience that's coming is coming because they endorse the viewpoint of those films, but because in a film culture where Twilight and Transformers are the reason for existence for most films, to have something that's so outside those traditional expectations Mm. that grabs you and slaps you in the face is productive and interesting. And I think maybe the whole idea that films like that, you know actually get made you know yeah and that and that you know seeing seeing people put across viewpoints like that is insane like you you wouldn't like say you wouldn't see those today and and you kind of go anything could get made (laughs) at certain times you know the 70s 60s were a very interesting time Interesting is a very apt description. Yeah. Um, so do you, you didn't see Fight for Your Life then? Um, no, I was there that year, but um, the first few years of my marathon experience, I had to leave right. early f- uh, for um, family um, reasons, um, which was, yeah, not ideal. Um, and that year I had to leave after Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which was... Uh, which was a great morning opener. Yeah, yeah it was. And then I, there were four, four films afterwards that I missed. Um, I subsequently saw two of them, um, but I missed... Fight for your life. Yeah. Okay. So what's your number five? My number five, I think I'm going to have to go with uh, Desperate Living. Really? Yeah. Wow. Let's let's hear more about that. Cause that okay, was, this is one I haven't seen. So okay. That so that, I don't even know it. That, it's a John Waters film. It's a John Waters film from Marathon 08. And this is one of those kind of late night weird pieces which has kind of a touch of the soft core, a touch of the odd, sort of squalid feel to it. Um, I just remember it having a really bizarre setup. The bulk of it takes place in this weird little sort of settlement outside of the outside of the sort of actual world, where a bunch of sort of societal rejects have gone to set up um, life in a very kind of feral, odd way, and they've sort of um, created a community that has a queen um, who controls things and, and um, it's a bit of a sick and twisted environment where people get exploited and all this stuff goes on but prior to that you get some, some regular people who are, who are trying to live their life it's, something goes wrong one of them I think um, if I remember correctly Doug correct me if I'm wrong accidentally kills somebody I think that's the setup. Is there's an accidental yeah. murder, and accidental so murder, flee. and they flee, and the and the cops. Um, You're not mentioning that she's a dra- he, she's a drag queen as oh, well. Oh yeah, she's a drag queen. overweight drag yeah, queen. <laughs> and and then the cops. Oh, this is a divine film. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then the cops um, pull them over and and uh, sort of send them on their way to uh, to the town, which name I can't remember actually. 
and then it just goes through this bizarre kind of weird thing as, the, as these people kind of work their way into the community and then through it and almost out the other end. I just remember it being this this really rich, dirty, messy environment that I that I just got my head messed up in, and I really enjoyed it. I just remember the print being so shrill and like being turned up ten times louder yeah. than anything else and that there would be just people Dude. screaming all the way through it and I decided very quickly it wasn't something I was in tune with and um, I mean one of the secrets of Marathon is that you don't no one actually goes 24 hours without sleeping they just choose which nope, film to I, sleep to I, I, I have got the nods the last year on a couple of films didn't actually go to sleep um, but I, I haven't slept through a film but you've also left before the ending of a lot of these. Have you actually made it through a whole marathon without <laughs> Yeah, yeah last, last few I've made it through. But I had, okay. not because I was going to sleep, but because I had to go. Right. For, like, there wasn't a choice. Um, yeah. I had to um, pick up my kids or do things like that. That I There was no other option. My wife doesn't drive. Right. We have one car. That kind of thing. Um, but you have made it through yeah, uh, I've made, 24 I've made, hours. Yeah, I've made, it through, I've made it through three or four without... So I, w- I won't say anybody doesn't do it, but in general... I think it's a wise move if you're considering going. You're like, ah, oh, if this film isn't working for you... Contention, no. Stay yeah. away. <laughs> Tough it out. And, and you think you might need some sleep. Uh, I don't know. As I'm getting older, I find it hard. But anyway, I tried to sleep through Desperate Living. And I was just like, ah! Ah! The whole time. It was a shrill, shrill experience. <laughs> and that's what most people I've talked to remember. <laughs> but, you know, there are exceptions. Um, and you're one of them. Um... So before we go on to number four, a couple top five lists from, uh, I'd like to say they're listeners, but I actually doubt that this is the case. Um, Dom Corey, uh, number five, Rappin', managed to recapture some of the Last Dragon vibe a few years later. Mm. Snack Attack Rap, a transcendent moment. Um, and those of us who saw Rappin' Amen. will, yeah, he's yeah, having yeah. a snack attack. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> number four, Commando. Fulfilled lifelong fantasy of seeing Arnie's defining action movie on the big screen. Awesome. A real treat. I still remember somebody actually cheering at the opening shot, which is just some guy on a wide suburban <laughs> street taking out the trash. Yeah. It's always entertaining <laughs> when people react to stuff. I'd never seen Commando before oh, that yeah. screening. Um, number three, The Love Butcher. Helped change my view of exploitation cinema. This started out so cruddy and horrible, but it ended up being quite an interesting and involving movie. When was that? That was 2005. Oh, really? uh, taught me anything was possible, no matter how crappy any movie may initially appear. I think it was two thousand five, no, or two thousand six. No. Correction. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we've we've got the printouts here. Um, I I'm particularly fond of the Love Butcher. Two thousand seven. Oh yeah, because that's right. the year I missed. That's, we both missed that one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I am um, I'm fond of the Love Butcher because I won an award for impersonating the lead character on stage, <laughs> which is some free DVD or something. No, I love that stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do. <laughs> Number two. I love that title, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Number two, Time Crimes, the perfect marathon experience, a new genre film I knew absolutely nothing about, thus was able to discover and embrace with the unfettered enthusiasm of childhood. Uh, and number one, The Last Dragon, the most purely pleasurable film-watching experience I've ever had at the marathon. It's such a perfect movie. I was always aware of it, but had never watched it, and seeing it with that crowd made me realize I'd never, ever miss another marathon as long as I lived. Um, it's interesting because there's a lot of 80s films that play yeah, at the yeah. marathon and I'm not like I think a lot of the people who are my age um, a lot of their cinephilia has to do with Born the films the they, 80s, yeah, yeah yeah and I actually yeah, a lot of mine is. yeah and I didn't really get into film until I was a bit older and so I don't quite have the sentimental attachment 
to a lot of films and so I think some other 80s films will come up in the course of that mm. but um, there's definitely those 80s gems will come out and people will just get like oh there's some fantastic so, ones. I've got an 84 yeah. of mine yeah, I, yeah quite a few people do um, the other list I was going to read was from uh, Aaron Yap who uh, I think goes back to the very beginning of these um, and I'll just list his highlights in the order he gave them uh, number one Miracle Mile at the Civic and Walking Out into the Sun right after um, I yeah, not, do you want to talk about that? Because you would have been there for that. Yeah, I was there. I'd never heard of the film. And this was, you know, it's that last, that final, like, classic, that, you know... That, closing film, yeah. That closing film. We all love. Let's just watch it one yeah. more time. So I'd never heard of it. <laughs> what an incredible film. I loved it. Yeah, and then being on the, at the, at the Civic was, was yeah. very odd. And you're walking So out, what year was that? 02. Oh, yeah. And you're walking out on Queen Street in your, in your dressing gown at, you know, 8 a.m. or whatever it was. Yeah, Aaron's number two was Marathon at the Civic Period. Having that building all to ourselves for a night and mm, watching stuff yeah. like Supernova and Street Wars equals amazing. Okay, Damn. it was a bit grueling, but amazing all the same. <laughs> yeah. And anyone who's gone to the film festival and sat in Civic seats for two screenings in a row can only imagine. Um, I remember somebody telling me the other day that, like, literally by the end of it, everybody was sitting on the floor yeah. <laughs> so they could escape that. It's slightly better if you're wearing the padding of a dressing gown, like usually in Civic Marathon. At festival time, I've done four in a row at the Civic in essentially the same seat. Um, that was last year and the year before. Yeah. yeah. Um, number three, The Brainiac in 16mm at Chinatown made me a fan of the film for life. The muddy black and white print was like perfect for the time slot. Have you guys seen The Brainiac? No. Mm. Did you know that it was in Chinatown? Where, do we that have was, a Chinatown? Yeah, no, oh, Chinatown. That, that, yeah, that, that would have been when, uh, yeah, when Incredibly Strange was down there. Oh, okay, so that would have been technically pre-marathon. Same or, time, but as same, a separate yeah. event, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, like a two-week event. Because I saw the aisle there and when, when Incredibly Strange, or Bix Incredible, I think at that stage, was playing there. Bix yeah. Incredible, that's yeah. right. <laughs> Throwing back to the old school sponsors. <laughs> We're all about Tiger now, right? Is that the, yeah. uh, number four, there was one year that had like Lady Terminator followed by Burial Ground or something. It was like one winner after another. Oh, yeah. And actually, technically, Streets of Fire was in the middle there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was 2006. <laughs> Nick about this. Uh, but, but, uh, but no, seriously, that 2006 that was an year important year so for me. That was so fantastic. That was, yeah, and I've got a couple choices A lot of people that. really yeah. like Crank yeah, as well. But I, I love Crank. Crank for um, me sort of dropped the bottom out of that, but then it got so good. Afterwards. Yeah, oh, there's oh. so much goodness. And uh, number five was the year the descent opened the marathon, which was 2005. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that was my very first marathon movie. And yeah, same I, with mine. Um, it was a new release, and I thought I knew what it was because it was some people rafting, and there was a Canadian film that had been hyped up on Twitch that was called The Dark Hours, that was some kind oh, yeah. of hostage drama in a cabin in Canada. I'm like, oh, I think I know, I bet I know what this is. And, you know, so you see these characters, and all of a sudden a logging truck like comes out, somebody's head gets knocked off. I'm like, or maybe not. And then the title <laughs> comes up and I haven't seen it. And, yeah. um, and um, I'm sitting next to my uh, my friend Annette, who um, is claustrophobic. And uh, that's my first film. And That was excellent, yeah. that, man. I, oh. that, was, that was my opening marathon film as well. And, oh, man, I, that was my first Neil Marshall experience. And so good. And so many references in that film. Oh, yeah. Class very Carpenter-esque. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so going on to our number fours... Um, I'll throw out mine first, which is, um, while we're on the topic of new releases, which is a 2010 film, uh, Rubber, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. which uh, I 
I was the geek who got, um, somebody actually made fun of me in the audience for cheering when I figured out what it was, but uh, I've been looking forward to this film <laughs> for ages. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we, we can actually find out who in the dark has actually been yelling at each other this whole time. Yeah. Um, but I've been looking forward to this film for a year. I just like, seemed like the perfect premise for me about a psychic tire that goes around blowing up people's heads. Mm. Um, I'm like, that sounds amazing. Mm. Uh, and it was, and the whole surreality of it um, was only enhanced by seeing it at 7 in the morning, morning after yeah. having stayed up all night. Yeah. And it's quite a slow film, and I think some people struggled with it. And um, uh, it was the same year Monsters played, and there was kind of a divide of people who liked Monsters better and people who liked Rubber. Oh. But um, I bloody loved rubber and like I felt like I needed to include one new release in my top five yeah. and there's no competition and <laughs> and consider this a subtle hint that uh Quentin Depew's new film Wrong Play this year because yeah. uh, apparently from everyone who's seen it his follow-up's even better than rubber um, is that right yeah um I thought uh, my, it could only go down from there no my brother uh and Steve Austin and Andrew Todd uh went to Fantastic Fest this year and saw Wrong this year and oh, wow. I know Brad and Steve, and I think Andrew as well, all think that Wrong is better than Rubber, and wow. all have cool. high esteem for Rubber. Oh, man. Well, the thing with Wrong is, though, like, I, I watched the trailer, like, it, it, oh, he's got another one? Watch the trailer. And you're like, well, that doesn't look as good. But, of course, with Rubber, I never heard... I didn't know he was a filmmaker. Yeah. So there was a total slap yeah. in the face. Whereas this one, you're like, is it like this? And from a trailer... You know, if I'd seen the rubber trailer first. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's often a thing with second films by filmmakers that suddenly you have something you're comparing them against. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's like, is it more of the same? Is yeah. It, you know, it's kind of like that whole Stranger Than Paradise Down By Law kind yeah, of thing, yeah. you know, where it's... Um, you know, oh, it's more of the same, so it's, you know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> um, so what's your number four, Nudge? Um, I will go with... Actually, just quickly, it's it's interesting. I said I was doing my list with Corey today, and yeah, yeah. we did the first... We got it, First of all, we got a list of all we've seen, and then we, the first thing we did was knock off anything new. Obviously, <laughs> those aren't going to be on you. Wow, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see one chucked on. Um, I'm going with one... Little hazy excuses, excuses, excuses. I can't remember this film, but I remember my reaction to it. Um, Impulse was it's William Shatner versus Odd Job. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> um, but it's it's early, early, early Shatner where he's uh, and so he's he's a a sexy womanizer, of course. <laughs> Who, who sort of creeps... So into... did he write this as well? <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he uh, works his way into ladies' houses and then and then kills them. But he, he he works for an agency or something, and they send someone to like go and get him back, like he's gone rogue. And the person they send is Karate Pete, played by whatever the guy's name is who plays Odd Job. And it, it was one of those films that was, from my memory, really pink. What do you call that? When the, the print has gone all... Pink. pink. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's vinegar syndrome or stuff, which uh, can be different yeah. things, but basically it's gone pink. Right, yeah. So, yes. Look, I, I, I can't remember more than that. It was sleazy, sleazy <laughs> William Shatner versus Odd Job. I, I don't need to say anymore, right? No. That's one of the joys about the film. Fest, uh, fucking hell. Movie marathon. <laughs> uh, Three? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Four? <laughs> Every time I'll have a drink of Balvany. Um, <laughs> but it's actually like. And it's becoming more and more important, or 
maybe not important is the right word, but special is that um, it by and large is about the physical medium of film. Um, yeah. You know, there have been a couple digital titles that have played over the past few years and there probably will continue to be more and more since new releases won't be available on yeah. film prints. But um, sometimes you'll get greeted with a pristine print like that um, uh, sepia tone print of the Road Warrior that played at the end of one festival that, oh, you guys might have both missed that. That was mm. amazing. Or other ones. And other times it's prints that are bloody, you know, have been through the ringer or on their last legs, um, breaking the projector, um, and you'll never get to see them again. But it, it's, it, I don't know, for me, that's just as wonderful because it's oh, yeah. not about seeing the perfect print. It's about the physicality of that print yeah. and knowing yeah. that you may be looking at the last time yeah, this yeah. title will be <laughs> yeah. screened yeah. on film because this is one of the last few prints of it. Yeah. And, you know, the, maybe the only other time it's ever going to be screened is some collector who's sitting on it and only ever shows it to three of his friends. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know about you guys, but that's that's so much more meaningful no, than definitely. sitting through 12 DCP <coughs> restorations or something like that. Oh, definitely that's Those part of it for me because... Um, it is like some of these things I've seen before, or <clears throat> most of them I haven't actually. But some of the odd one that I have sort of come across often, it's been on VHS at someone's house um, <laughs> back in the you know the eighties or the nineties, where someone just happened to grab a copy of this from their friend overseas or something. Um, and like you say, the the idea of actually kind of seeing some of the stuff on the, on thirty five mil on the big screen, like Dom saying finally seeing Commando on the big screen. It's fantastic, you know? You don't get that chance with so many of these things. And because we're not, like, we don't live in a country that is really massive on repertory screenings or cinemas, you know, yeah. it's hit and miss whether you get a chance to see something. Yeah, yeah and it, like, films like Videodrome and The Thing, which, um, you know, are two of my beloved films, and they didn't make my top five, but they probably should have, because, yeah. you know, getting to... I ne would have never got to see those films on 35 if it mm. weren't for... That's one that. of those nerdy things I volunteer really quickly if someone goes, um, you know, in The Thing, I go, oh, I've seen that in 35. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> so what's your number four, Jake? My number four would be... I'll go with um, one from last year, which was... Uh, and it's uh, big on, on the internet at the moment. It's uh, Miami Connection. Miami Connection. Connection. Yes. <laughs> or... Also known as American Street Fighter. Okay, so essentially, this is about um, bringing world peace um, <laughs> through non-violence and the power of Taekwondo. Uh, how, what I like in this this film too, which was directed by was it Grant Y.K. Kim, YK Kim. <laughs> um, <laughs> whose self-help uh, um, guide you can buy online. Yes. Awesome. Um, it's just seen in a certain light. It's essentially a ninety-minute infomercial for Taekwondo. They at one stage like there's so much awesome fight scenes and um, bloodletting, terrible acting, um, classic one-liners, but then all of a sudden they break for maybe a five to ten minute taekwondo <laughs> exhibition <laughs> sequence, where where they just they're showing um, carters or whatever they do in taekwondo with like a set bunch of movements, and you're like. Why is this in the film? <laughs> Films don't show some guy practicing his martial art without a montage sequence yeah. and you know and music in the background. Just some guy sh showing this is how you do taekwondo. Oh, it's insane! You haven't even mentioned the musical numbers yet. That's oh, the most amazing thing. Um, I think you found your music. For, do you have an intro to this podcast? I, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, it's a choice between that Friends and the, for and it's music from another film that I'll mention later. Oh, but. Um, 
Yeah, there was a great article recently on on one site because uh, yeah, Miami Connection, as you mentioned, has been picked up by uh, uh, Draft House Draft Films, Films, and yeah. there's a big re-release going on in the states right now. And um, but one of them wrote that, that there's a difference between films that are so bad it's good and so good it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it just um, and I like yeah, that. And, nice. and I think yeah, the thing is that I don't get joy at laughing at its failings, I get joy at engaging in its joy. Yeah, yeah. And it is, and it, and it is a terrible Hugely film on a lot of fundamental levels, yeah. but there's so much love in that film. Um, as, as narratively specious and as bad as the performances are, um, it's, I mean, there's yeah. no, there's no cynicism or, you know, or uh, yeah. irony in it at all. It, it's, <laughs> it's from the heart. It's yeah. made and, and it's keyed into the like the, the quintessential eighties action flick. Yeah. You know, that's um that it's has no more sort of dated than Streets of Fire, for no, instance. But you know? it has kind of like a, a slightly shallow deep kind of theme which is yeah. heavily hammered but it's there and then it's just this great swath of, <laughs> of And the action's amazing. Action, and they they do it on the budget that and with the cast that they can. I mean yeah. they're using actual martial arts guys, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It was just fantastic. Great fun. Yeah. Um, so before we go to number threes, we'll go to um, Darren Gobble's top five. Um, Darren's number one. Or I don't know if these are in any order, but we'll just listen. Prehistoric Women, 1967. I don't know which festival that played at. Prehistoric Women. After joining every uh, VHS rental in town, remember those, in an attempt to see every Hammer Horror movie ever licensed and released by a local two-bit label, the marathon still managed to unleash a cavewoman fur bikini epic I had not yet seen. Costumes from 1 million BC. Even better, blonde cavewoman versus brunette. Even better, the projectionist matted the shot of the legendary white rhino charging the camera, so it was abundantly evident the rhino was stuffed and being pulled by rope. Did we figure out when that was from? No, uh, because my my list in front of me is the ones I went to, which is 2002 Auckland, 2003 and 4 Wellington. Oh, right. What's so it might be a 2002 was... Wellington. Or yeah, two... yeah, something okay. like yeah. that. Um, number two is a double uh, Toys are Night... Not for... Uh, Toys are Not for Children slash Night Warming. A back-to-back double barrel of incest and ick from Wellington Marathon. One is just wrong. The other finds more wrong. Back-to-back... Unforgettable and soul-tainting way. <laughs> no, yeah, is that a memory of Toys Are Not for Children or Night Warming or both? Uh, yeah, I saw the I saw the two. I I have fond memories of uh, Toys Are Not for Children. Where uh, spoilers? How how do we go for spoilers on this thing? Uh, how how what yeah, kind yeah, of chances? Like, <laughs> what kind of chances? It's amazing. Yeah, yep. Oh uh, yeah. So go what, on. What's the chances of that? What is that? Was that pro spoilers? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go go for it. Well, this girl, this girl hasn't um, seen her father in many, many years, and so she's trying to track him down, and she works out that he he regularly goes to this brothel, so she enrolls in the brothel to meet her dad, and that's how... <laughs> oh, my. Oh, wow. Yeah. I won't tell you the rest. That's probably, <laughs> that's probably a good... Um, actually, that's probably not much as a spoiler as much as... A, uh, an advisory <laughs> of what you might be giving yourself so for. Number three from Darren. Paranormal Activity 1 slash Rec 2. Um, oh, he's going totally doing the... Uh, uh, no, but PA1 actually played in a cinema in New Zealand at midnight in front of the perfect audience to appreciate it. Mm. After all the internet hype, it actually delivered. 
I, which I agreed with, but I know some people who disagreed with. Oh, uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah. um, at a later marathon, we were promised another dose of found footage with the New Zealand premiere of Rec 2. In the best tradition of exploitation exhibition, bait and switch, it did not play. <laughs> and that's the way I like it. <laughs> Number four, Mr. Mike's Mondo video. Oh, um, which oh, I'm just going to take a moment to say, oh, although it did not make my list, it has my favorite moment in the history of... Uh, any of these films, which is an alien hitting um, light bulbs with a hammer on a table, and the voiceover says, coming up next, Christmas on other planets. <laughs> it was just one of those moments at five in the morning where my brain broke in the most pleasing way. But that's my opinion. Darren says, a shot on video tribute to a film form that has not existed in decades, deemed too much for television and barely released to cinemas based on names like Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd, who appear for mere seconds. If you've seen this on DVD or video, you've not seen it the way we did, with all the music, skits, and opening shorts that had to be removed for domestic release intact, and in glorious smeary video transferred to the last film print in existence. And Darren's last one, The Visitor. How do you explain oh, the yes. storyline of this movie without sounding like some complete loon? How do you explain its existence without some complete loon being involved in its creation? We'll talk more about The Visitor later. Yeah, I guarantee you. <coughs> and uh, Dave Bro's top five. Uh, number one, Fangs. Pretty much defines the term rural grindhouse with the uncomparable mesmerizing performance by Les Tremaine as, yes, Snaky Bender. It played perfectly at the movie marathon with a dusky Texas town peeling off the screen as hypnotized eyeballs couldn't look away. Have you guys seen Fangs? No. <laughs> I, um, I missed it at the marathon, but Andrew Todd showed it to me later, and uh, just before it started, he said to me, By the way, I hope you like John Philip Sousa. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of all you need to say about a film that involves snakes, the South, <laughs> and John Philip Sousa. It's, it, it was an amazing experience, but uh, it was one of my favorites. It didn't quite make my cut, but one of my favorites. However, someone gave me a copy of it. Um, that's a VHS rip. It's the, it's the first copy I've ever had that's a VHS rip. And I, I can't watch it again. The experience at the marathon... Yeah. Snakey Bender. <laughs> um, his number two, uh, Lady Terminator, superb Indonesian ripoff of the five years prior James Cameron film. As the tagline would go, first she mates, then she terminates. This is one of those rare throw everything at the screen 80s trash classics that only a low budget and dreams of success can create. Mullets, double denims, laser eyes all wrapped under an awful hilarious take of the legend of the South Seas Queen. Um, we're going to talk about Lady Terminator yeah, yeah, later, yeah. so... Uh, hey. <laughs> number three, The Descent. Uh, the best new film to ever unspool was like a jolt to the system. Cave-exploring gone-wrong mindfuck, which explodes into shriek-inducing terror about halfway through when the evil golems go for broke, with a claustrophobic throat-ripping assault on the senses. Number four, The Psycho Lover. The movie Marathon has a reputation as having played a few fairly misogynistic films late in the night, and this is probably the piesteris stance in my mind. Plays as though a local hairdresser somehow got hold of a few suckers' money and did their best to make a go-go strip club take on the Manchurian candidate. <laughs> the fact that the main rape scene plays out to psychedelic flute funk is about all you need to know. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's quite an endorsement for... <laughs> the Psycho Lover is a pretty amazing film, um, and an incredibly wrong, misguided film. Yeah. And Dave Rose, number five, Troll 2... 
not so much for the film itself, but for the fact that we had a middle night of middle of the night conversation yeah. with a man who played the father himself, George Hardy. Absolutely surreal moment that almost left us running overtime due to the Utah resident's dentist ability to talk seemingly forever. <laughs> and were you, you, were you, you weren't no. there. I yeah, I was there for that one. It's amazing that there was a point where the audience turned from "This is the most amazing thing." George Hardy's on the phone to. Oh my God, George Hardy won't get off the phone. <laughs> and I, I met George, and he's a lovely man. Um, but there was a point at 15 minutes into it where oh, he's just like, no. I'd like to tell another story. I'm like, we have a. He had just gotten up. It was about 7 a.m. in Alabama, and we're like, we're actually going to be here all day hearing about this. Um, I'm one yeah. of those marathon guys that love to, love to, with the years we have 14. I like to come out and say, I just saw 14 new films. When they play too many games and whatever, and you get 11 or 12, you're like, ah, oh, really? Feel a bit cheated, do you? Yeah, so the... Wow, that would have... <laughs> I would have been one of the ones, like, fucking clawing my seat. Yeah, but you're grumpy about everything. Let's oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, time for number three. So who wants to uh, throw out a number three there first? Um, do you know what? All of mine are gone already, so... That's okay. Some of mine are, too. So, yeah, most of mine are gone as well. Um... Uh, number three, I'll go with um, you know, it was Miami Connection again. Um, nice. But I had I had some other ones that uh, I don't know if they're the same, but you know what? I'm going to swap it out right now. Kill Squad. Have you guys seen Kill Squad? I have seen Kill Squad, not at a marathon, but it's bloody amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Now, can I can I swap that for for Miami Connection? Sure. Yeah, yeah, Are they yeah, semi similar? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah don't do it, don't do it. There's eighties and there's incomprehensibility. <laughs> yeah. I, I see how it all and there's a group of people. I see how it all fits together. Joseph needs you. Let's go. For, <laughs> from from my memory, it, it was an opener in '04. It was the opener of '04, and it was. Uh, before Napoleon Dynamite, of all things. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's like a guy. You'll have to help help with this because you've seen it not in a marathon stretch, but it was like a guy in a wheelchair who's who's um, sending his little crew of ex vets out yeah. to when like there's a hitman on the loose or something, and they have to try and get it. And one and one by one, the team's getting picked off, and uh, he's orchestrating the thing from it. It's not a film that's most endorsed by its plot. It's a film that's most endorsed by the fact that it's bug nuts incompetent (laughs) and proud of it and just like Yeah, it's it's that whole Nietzsche do not stare into the abyss yet does the abyss (laughs) stare into you and um I can't believe I just quoted Nietzsche and Kill Squad reference. Um yeah, it's one of my favorite um exploitation films that I've discovered outside of it. It's not super exploity. I think it's pretty um, tame in terms of actual violent content. It's, yeah, I don't recall it's it no being exploity at all. Yes, yeah. uh, I, I recall it. It's 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 incompetence, but once again, in, enthusiastic incompetence. That, yeah, that really drew me. To I it. guess that's what it has in common with Miami Connection. It feels like <laughs> a bunch of guys were like, "Hey, you know what? We could buy some army fatigues and make a movie. <laughs> you know, yeah. let's do that." Yeah. And, <laughs> And yeah, it's it's again a film that's not from a place of cynicism. Mm. Um, uh, instead, it's from a place of incompetence. But um, but so joyful that that incompetence doesn't impinge on your enjoyment at all. Absolutely. Thanks for helping me through that. No <laughs> worries. That's I have a, very little yeah. memory of it, just loving it. All right. So my my number three, I'm going to go with um, Far Out. I'm pretty sure this is 80s, but it could possibly be early 90s. But it was. Um, 
In uh, 2009, um, we had the treat of seeing Roadhouse on the big screen. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I yeah. thought it, yeah. And it was the year that Patrick Swayze died. Um, and so it was like a, a, a big kind of memorial screening. Um, I I don't think I'd ever seen it on the big screen. I'd never seen it I think Roadhouse, I'd seen it on VHS. Yeah. Oh, I'd definitely seen it, but I think yeah. I'd seen it on VHS. And, just, so, and I didn't remember a lot about it, but it was so fantastic in terms of like the action was fantastic the one liners were grand I mean the bad guy Ben Gazzara yeah. I thought guys like you up the ass in prison <laughs> <laughs> but Ben Gazzara is the bad guy yeah ah oh, so good and you had Patrick Swayze as um as the kind of the the hard man um bouncer guy who sort of um what was his name Dalton oh I'm not gonna try to guess oh, yeah, um and he um He's supposed to be like the tough guy, but he wears like these really flouncy trousers yeah. the entire time. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and there's things like, like there's, there's, a, there's a monster truck. A, a bad guy turns up in a monster truck, <laughs> drives over some stuff. It's so you know gloriously eighties um, with slightly better budget and production values than some of the other ones, but not much better. <laughs> uh, I I just remember having such a good time watching it and going, I didn't remember that this was a so fun and mm. b so kind of violent and like there was yeah. quite a bit of violence and blood and viscera going on much more than I expected or remembered it's yeah. very similar to Miami Connection in that sense mm. in that it's got a, these protagonists that are all about peace yeah, at yeah. the same time because like there's a whole because he's on a whole like oh yeah, I don't yeah. want to cause any harm yeah. but then he's ripping people's throats out you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. he's forced to use his, his, his impeccable skills that's, <laughs> I, I came from a completely different thing because I think I've seen that thing three times before oh. and so to be honest when it came on I was like oh okay I, I know this film pretty well holy shit I didn't know that film <laughs> when you watch it in the right atmosphere you're like wow I never noticed all these things didn't I watch this with my mum once <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There, there's some sexual content as well. Yeah, sure. um, too much for Patrick Swayze. Oh, oh man, it's oh you get into it. Uh, there was, there, I've been playing this stupid game with myself lately, where I've been um, getting the foreign names and chucking it into Google Translate to see what other countries call it. I have Roadhouse. Do you mind? Uh, go for uh, it. In Finland, it's called um, Hot Tavern. <laughs> Um, Brazil calls it Matador for Hire, which that kind of fits, I don't think. But the, the best is, uh, is, is Spain, um, possibly the uh, one of the most um, straightforward and actual uh, descriptive titles that it could possibly have. Profession, colon, tough guy. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Um, so my number three? My number three, I'm sur- I, I don't know if I'm surprised or not, it hasn't come up yet. Because it was easily one of the most divisive experiences of any marathon that I've been to, but um, it was one of my favorite experiences. Uh, and from 2006, which was <laughs> a year that was great, oh, I um, a holy fucking mountain. Um, and I use the fucking advisedly. Um, Alejandro Jodorowsky um, got a bunch of money from Alan Klein, who was the Beatles producer. Yeah. Um, off the back of a film called El Topo, which was a midnight movie, and that was two thousand eight, right? Uh, yeah, seven. Two th- yeah, Sorry. El Topo played the year after, which pissed the hell out of people who hated Holy Mountain. <laughs> Holy Mountain is basically like Jodorowsky d- describing Holy Mountain is kind of folly, but it's basically <laughs> like the first half of it, roughly, is him setting up this Christ-like mess- messianic figure. 
and then telling the lives of seven people who follow, I think seven people who follow him in various um, misguided ways, all with some of the most exquisite set design that you've ever seen, and this fierce commitment to a straight-out insanity, like, you know, scenes where they're um, transmuting um, shit to gold, like, quite literally shit, um, scenes where they reconstruct an assault on a Mayan temple with frogs, um, uh, and and it's all based on Jodorowsky's spiritual beliefs, and then the second half, all these people shave their heads and go off and follow him on this quest for the Holy Mountain, and, and about three quarters of the way through, I'm just sitting there smiling like, this movie is amazing. This and it, partially it's the sleep deprivation, partially. <laughs> but I've watched it again, and partially it's just like, as as insane as it is, and as non-narrative as it is, um, he does have an eye for a shot and craft, and he also has a very specific vision that he's following through. But um, literally, my my friend Anna, who was next to me, was just like, "Oh fuck this shit," and got up <laughs> and walked out rather wow. than sit through the rest of it because oh, wow. she was so fed up with um it's rambling digressiveness but um was it, that the fr- same friend that that yelled during uh listomania no 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 listomania which one do we watch the other night where you said a friend there was uh, someone else sorry. oh kidding Cut. with a whip no. yeah okay um yeah so we'll just pretend that didn't happen um but yeah how would hol- you have guests holy mountain is uh is uh one of my all-time cherished favorite experiences uh and is kind of the thing i hope will happen every year that something i've never seen before and never really known much about will just show up and melt my brain out my ears because there's nothing the thing is you can go to a cinema and you can watch a film anytime right Mm. and it may be safe it may be not safe but it's rare that you can go watch a film when you've been really sleep deprived and watch six other films and just are completely spaced out and have something slap you sideways. And yeah. that's, mm. and, and that's what it's all about for me. So I've seen stills from, I've never seen a Jodorowsky, but I've watched a couple of those Matthew Barney things. Are they, are they anywhere near similar or? Um, Matthew Barney is the crew master. Cycle. I'm trying not to be too cyn- cynical on this one. So let's just say no. I didn't enjoy Matthew Barney. Haven't seen Jodorowsky. There's a similar level of production design. They look um, beautiful. Ma- Matthew Barney comes from a very intellectual art school viewpoint, where Jodorowsky is very committed to his mysticism. Um, okay, that that's the polite way that I would phrase mm. it. Um, so while we have a break, um, Jake, do you want to do uh, these top fives? Of okay, yeah. So first we've got uh, top five from uh, a good friend of ours, um, Corey Schultz. Um, you might recognise as Nigel's partner from Big Screen yeah, Auckland. Yeah, Big yes. Screen Auckland. Now, <laughs> apparently they were, they were putting their list together um, at a similar time. We, we, were working, we were working through GChat at the exact same time. Yeah. However, he refused to give me any of his results. So, so. so, so this, will, this is a surprise for Nigel as well. So, these are Corey's top five in no particular order. He gave us 12 and then said, oh, well, you want five, so here I <laughs> um, I won't wake on. So, the first one we've already uh, heard, heard of is uh, Fight for Your Life. Yeah. Um, and, and he hasn't given much comment on that. Well second, done, Schultz. Uh, second one, and I well, well I remember this, is um, Lady in a Cage. Um, in fact, I think I was sitting next to Corey when we watched this. Um, this was 2008. Eight. 
Yeah, yeah, 2008. Yeah, yeah, 2008. And this was... I think this was the first James Caan film, I think. It was a very early James Caan film. Very early James Caan film. And it was a black and white kind of criminals get to a high society house and a lady gets trapped in her elevator, hits lady in a cage. But it was just a fantastic kind of study and odd sort of social groups getting together and, and mixing it up. It was it was quite intense, very kind of a kind of weird macho vibe to it and very cool. Yeah. There's a great tradition of uh, that's been most of the recent years of some kind of film noir, pulpy crime film starting it and Kitten with a Whip and uh Prime Cut and uh Walk the Dark Street, yeah. uh Kansas City Confidential, yeah, yeah. all those and th- that was well on that tradition. Yeah, yeah, well on that the, tradition. One of the better ones. I just I just saw Kitten with a Whip. I didn't see it in the marathon. Um, that had that same kind of like weird, where's this going kind of thing. It, did would you re- have you seen both? Yes, sir. yes. Would you relate those two? Yeah, there's a there's a similar um, youth out of control, and yeah, nihilistic, yeah. and the older person and and the time um, of out of control and and just the very um, uh, the the main difference is that um, they both seem to start out as one location kind of films, whereas uh, Kitten with a Whip eventually. Um, leaves out. its own location, <laughs> but um, the only yeah. home invasion film I've seen that ends in Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there so um, yeah. third on Corey's list, and I find this kind of surprising. And I, I was going to say Nigel would find it surprising, except that I'm not sure that he's seen this because this was um, one of the Legend 2006 films, Burial Ground. How you can put Desperate Living on your list and then find Burial Ground surprising as well, Beyond I, no, I, I do and I don't. Like, I sort of I've think, Corey, what are you thinking? This. But at the what same time... Oh, dude. Is it Italian? It's Italian. Burial Ground is an amazing Italian zombie, zombie film. film. It's the only film that I've ever seen where the zombies are more skilled at using tools than the humans. humans. Like, by a long stretch. <laughs> but Like, there's, there's ninja zombies, there's decapitation zombies, and meanwhile the humans are... Tr- because it's still slow zombie era, yeah, it's one, it's and they still can't fucking outrun zombies. them, yeah. and they still can't figure out how to use tools to stop them, and it's it's stunning. But then, on top of all of that, is a scene that I don't think we should spoil. Yeah, no, okay. It's is, is one, one of the wrongest <laughs> scenes in the history of cinema. <laughs> and I think this is probably why it's stuck in Corey's head. I mean, aside from, like, the, the other cool thing about it, it's the zombie makeup is, like, it's, like... Supremely cast, crafted paper mache and stuff, where you can see the joins on people's hands. <laughs> it's awesome, and these shambling zombies. Um, but there's this one character. Um, the rich people go to someone's um, kind of shadowy mansiony place in the in the in the um, in the country, um, and then stuff goes down. One of the people that go is a mother and son. The son is apparently 14 years old, or or, or some some such. Um, Except that he, he looks like a miniature person who looks like he's possibly in his late 30s, early 40s. It's re- He's a really bizarre-looking dude. Mm, yeah. I've looked him up on the internet subsequently. Honestly, this guy is seared into your brain, and then there's scenes that oh, happen yeah, that you don't yeah. want to know about, but... <laughs> I've got burial ground. We could watch it after this. Well, yeah, now I don't know which way to go. On this <laughs> top five, and and you're, I, I, you're you haven't said anything about it that actually explains why you don't like it. I, you've just been like, <laughs> no, I'm not, it's, like, I'm it's not seared that. in your brain. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. It's not that I don't like it. It's just I find it surprising because it was really slow moving, and I and I think even Corey found it hard going at the time. 
Like yeah. we were both like, "Whoa, this is kind." It of... was actually only the third film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It, it's it's yeah. <laughs> I should tell yeah. you something. It was slow. It was coming off Lady Terminator and yeah. Streets of Fire, which are very good. So Corey, back to Corey. Okay, so um, Short Eyes was his next one, which I don't know that one. Short Eyes was a prison film that uh, was based on Pinheiro play that. Oh, okay, um, that's two thousand eight. I drifted in film. and out of. Um, it was it was a film that I really liked what I saw of. And uh, it was, but it was very, uh, very well acted. Um, Short eyes refers to um, is a prison term for pedophiles, and it's all set oh, in a prison, right. and it's about a pedophile who's thrown into prison. And even oh, yeah. apparently, even in prisons, pedophiles are not are considered to be pretty fucking scum. Yeah, and so um, get a pedophile. Those guys can't get a break. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, <laughs> it, it seemed like quite a good film, but uh, it's just one I've meant it, of all the films actually that I'd like to revisit. It's one that I'd like to revisit in terms of just see it when I'm fully oh, yeah. awake and see it. Um, I think it's quite. Um, it's not a question about being so bad it's good or even like so crazy it's good. I think it's just actually quite a good solid film mm-hmm. that oh, yeah. um, played so late that it kind of. Sorry, what time um, period was the late seventies? Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. <laughs> 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 Second last film of, the, uh, <laughs> of 2008. Really. Yeah, and then uh, to finish off, Corey. Um, Corey, it was the Love Butcher, which has already been. So yeah, yeah. cool, oh, nice list. Thank you, Corey. He's seen way too many. I haven't. <laughs> okay, and uh, next up is a friend of mine, Bevan, um, who's uh, been a marathon regular for a long time. Now his number one is uh, Miracle Mile, which you've already heard about. But he said. Uh, he says, I had heard of, a t- of the title, but beyond that, I knew absolutely nothing about the movie when it started. actually thought it was going to be about someone who decides to run a marathon and faces <laughs> obstacles along the way, fair enough. That is exactly what I thought as I began watching it. It wasn't. <laughs> Knowing nothing at all about it is absolutely the best way to view it. Yeah, okay. Oh, awesome. His second one is Krull. Fantastic. Speaking of the 80s. Yeah. Purely for personal reasons, I always wanted to see it on the big screen. Um, I never had... Never thought I was ever likely to, and I own the soundtrack. This meant it took less than a second to recognise the opening music and think, is it? It can't be. Yes! Again, for purely personal reasons. You don't call out, though. If you recognise it, don't call it out, because yeah. I'll be in the other corner going, oh, fuck off. Seriously? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, big ups to you, um, so Derek. Uh, we, we reward enthusiasm here at uh, the Source Podcast, even Sorry. if some of you, uh, other people are a bit down. I'm, I'm going to endorse that choice of Bevins. I, I totally enjoyed Krull, probably for similar reasons. It was part of my growing up film experience. Oh, yeah, me too. That, yeah. that was one of the few 80s ones I have great recollections of I'd actually seen that on the big screen which was cool and to see it again it was wow yeah Um, The Descent um, I ordered the two disc special edition from the UK on DVD the day after the marathon enough said yeah that was fantastic Uh, another film that's going to come up again Lady Terminator let's borrow the plot from Terminator let's put in some random lines from other Arnie movies even Conan the even Conan the Barbarian Let's borrow a set piece from another Arnie movie. To cap it off, let's make sure every actor makes Arnie look like an Oscar winner. <laughs> Mix well, throw at the screen, dazzle movie goes. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Bevan's uh, last is Miami Connection. And he's got some quotes here. Oh, ninjas. Pop songs. My father. Oh my god! <laughs> 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 the importance of friendship. Yeah. Random Taekwondo. And, I reckon Taekwondo demonstrations yeah. here. I thought we were all... Orphans. I thought we were all orphans. <laughs> <laughs> orphans. Oh, man. I was very... Oh, yeah. Well, I, he was very tempted to put on Night Train to Terror, um, but that was only because I could not get that infernal song out of my head for the few days afterwards. <laughs> it was a pretty great song. Yeah. Um, 
So, um, why don't we go straight into uh, to my number two then, yep. which may be on some of your list as well, which is in fact Lady Terminator. Um, Obviously not mine. I, I don't know what to add to what everybody said. It, I mean, I my level of fandom for this film is such that um, a um, guy asked me to, uh, was soliciting things for a uh, book on mid-80s action cinema, and I wound up writing a chapter for this never-to-be-published book um, on Lady Terminator. Oh, is that what you posted on your blog? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I've written uh, several, no thousand, thousand dicks. several thousand words on Lady Terminator, <laughs> um, and I've, I'm actually looking at writing something even longer. Um, <clears throat> it is concentrated joy. It yeah, is yeah. just... I'm fascinated to see such... what his number one is now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, it is such a special film in that if you gave a hundred people the task, if you gave them the title, and you said, here's Terminator, and make that rip off, none of them would make that film. Another thing, there are films that are so bad they're good, right? Mm. But actually, if you watch Lady Terminator, um, it's not incompetent, um, it's insane, and there's some terrible character development, but in terms of the actual mechanics of filmmaking, it's actually a fairly serviceable action film, and like, no, seriously, I, I like, like, yeah. Compare it to <laughs> compare it to a Moonshiner's Woman, where they were scratching <sighs> the uh, muzzle flare onto the negative. And so, it's kind of like Miami Connection in that sense of like, actually, you're getting visceral thrills from the effectiveness of some of the stunts and the exploding helicopters yeah, yeah. and the infinite number of gun rounds being fired into people, <laughs> um, combined with yeah, I, like. Just love in capital letters. Yeah. So did you? So so are you saying like I went for four years in a row and then thought, do you know what? I'm I'm a bit stuck at the moment. I think I can afford to miss one, and I missed. Two thousand six. Lady Terminator, Streets of Fire, Burial Ground, Burial Ground, Troll Two, Listomania, Listomania, yeah, Holy Mountain, to, to Live and Die in LA, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. That was the wrong year to miss. Uh, after after we finished here, w- we can we can. Weren't you in Melbourne at that stage? Yeah, I just moved. Yeah, yeah. If, if we if we finish this, we can probably take all these and like weigh them up and give them numerical values. Yeah. Do you think two thousand six is going to be the one? Two thousand six yeah, yeah. is my favorite. That was the year because the first year I was like, oh, I was pretty good. I'm going to go back. Two thousand six was like I'm never missing this again. Yeah, two thousand six was insane, um, and that and that's actually been the marathon that everyone has had to live up to. And yeah. um, there's one other one that. Um, rivals it, which uh, will be for my number one. But uh, so, what's your number two, Jake? Okay, my number two. Um, I'm going I'm to do that. Play that trick where, I, where we've talked about something a little bit. Um, mm. Then I'm going to tap into another one. Okay. Um, okay so my, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, my one's Troll Two, um, which I, I was probably one of the few people who hadn't actually seen it before on VHS, on DVD, on whatever. So um, I turned up and um, I'd heard about it. And then, yeah, we got the call from George Hardy. The film was just so fantastically inept. <laughs> um, but so, you know, sincere. That was, it was awesome. And we like, should mention just in passing, if anyone doesn't know it, which probably everybody does, but yeah. the existence of Best Worst Movie, yeah, yeah. which is the documentary and the making of Troll 2, which is must-viewing, must-see viewing for anyone who's seen Troll 2. Yeah. And anyone who hasn't seen Troll 2. Yes, definitely. Um, it definitely. will convince them. But I, I'd say watch Troll 2 first. And you'll ask, how the hell did this get made? And then you'll watch Best Worst Movie, movie. and 
it will be inc- it will explain everything and then watch Troll 2 again yeah. and realize that it's still even though you know everything about <laughs> it it's still no less yeah, magic yeah. for having seen that oh see I got that slightly wrong I thought I could watch Troll 2 and then listen to Best Worst Podcast that's your job here comedy really <laughs> yes <laughs> um, yeah anyway so what I'll do is I'll tack out to um, to a to a a, a lesser known film from uh, in 2000 my first uh, marathon which is the uh, the Christine Jorgensen story <laughs> wow <laughs> Uh, so Chris- this high, <laughs> the wow. Christine Jorgensen. Well, I probably would have put it a little bit lower down, but um, because I'm taken out, it's yeah, shifted yeah. up the ranks. No, it was special. It was special. Um, <laughs> That's one adjective. The Christine yes. Jorgensen story is a story about uh, one of the first sex change operations that ever happened in the um, United States. Well, from someone in the United States who went to Norway. You know, like the jokes about going to Scandinavia to get the operation. This dude actually. Went- it's not really a joke, though. Oh, no. you're talking about like joking. No, no, yeah, like it's, yeah, like in, I remember when I was at school in the 80s, people would say, oh, you're going to get the operation, sort of thing, and there was sort of talks about going to Scandinavia, so it must have come off this, but I had no idea about this film at that stage. Um, so yeah, it's, a, it's about a, a, the story of a person who actually went to get a sex change operation in Norway and became Christine, um, I can't remember what his actual name was before, whether it was Chris or something else, um, and it was a really interesting story. But the other thing that had a connection for me was that um, it was the film that Ed Wood based Glenn or Glenda from. Well, he saw this story made, and he wasn't contemplating a sex change, but he was a transvestite. Um, and so he thought, well, if they can make a film about a sex change, I can make a film about transvestitism. Um, and so he made Glenn or Glenda. Um, kind of, but his... Obviously, his attempt was so annoying. <laughs> I haven't seen Glenn or Glenda. And so. I, so I, I own Glenn or Glenda on DVD. Um, and so for me, seeing this was kind of a very cool connect to that film as well. Um, I, I just I really found it a fascinating story. And from the time, would have been such a kind of unique cultural experience, I guess, for um, moviegoers in the States at the time. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it was I'd never seen anything like that. Where, even at the marathon, even yeah. if a year, a couple of years of marathon, I, when I saw that, I was just like, I've never seen. Any, I didn't know these things existed. Well, it was weird because it had the feel of like an after-school special, yeah, or like yeah. a, a life lifetime TV movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except it's about a sex change. Yeah. So, hang on, kids. Um, <laughs> that was pretty special. Yeah, that that was back to that word again. Special. Yes. It was a special movie. <laughs> Speaking of specials, what's your number two? Um, I'm going with... Uh, it's already been mentioned, but uh, Night Train to me mm. was a... Um, Night Train to Terror. To Night Train to oh, Terror. Yes. Do you know what? I stopped early because I always get confused. Is it two or of? Two. It's two? Yes. Okay, Night Train to Terror. Yeah. Was to me... And that was right in that... <laughs> right in that... It was like a 4 a.m. Yeah, yeah. Like... Right at that, yeah. he's like, you know what? I think this next one, if the first five minutes is crap, I think I'm going to have a nap. It was after Middle of the Stone Woman, that's why. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I slept through Middle of the Stone Woman. I slept through Middle of the Stone Woman. <laughs> you were not the other I stayed up for that entire thing, and I was just yeah. thinking, oh, wow, that I was I wish I'd slept going. through that. <laughs> but then, night, uh, so Night Train, um, I was like, yeah, it's probably going to be crap. I'll give it two, no, I'll give it three minutes, and then I'll go to sleep. Oh, my God, it was so exciting. <laughs> It's such a bizarre premise. God and Satan on a train yeah. judging souls, but really it's just 
housing three like a job like kind of discussion on a train <laughs> yeah. but it, yeah it was like it was four wasn't it four or three no, three yeah three with a rap store yeah yeah so <laughs> but basically like i'm just sitting there and the movie starts musical number and yeah i'm kind of presaging my number one here but um like okay it's a musical horror thing and then it's God and Satan suddenly talking at a table. I'm yeah, like, yeah. okay, maybe it's God and Satan are going to kill these people on the train. That they, they might be in peril or something. And then they look to the window and then they zoom in. And then suddenly this entire different movie starts. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so that's a framing story. I can, I guess I can handle that. And I'll settle into this thing for the next 90 minutes. And it's about... Um, what is it about? It, okay, yeah, so, body parts yeah, or something. Yeah, okay, it's, it's, I, it's I'm like, pretty sure there there are some people and they kidnap attractive young ladies. Of course, they do. And then do. they end yeah. up kind of um, belted to a table and getting, I think, getting the organs harvested. As you do, and Richard Mall's involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All from Night Court. It's, it's <laughs> like a dodgy orderly in, in this uh, in this little piece. And it's it seems to be accelerating towards <laughs> an, what seems like an ending, but it's far too early in the film to be ending. Oh. But then all of a sudden it ends, and then we're back on the train. And it's exactly the same song. The fame dancing kick in. And at this point, I actually have the safest equivalent to a panic attack that you can imagine. <laughs> because it's just like, my brain is just broken of trying to figure out how we're 30 minutes into a movie, and suddenly this thing has happened. And like, you know, if, if, if I was seeing it under less sleep-deprived eyes, I might have been like, Oh, well, obviously this is a framing device for a portmanteau mm. film, yeah, yeah. and you know it's three films within a film, and blah blah blah. But that wasn't what happened. <laughs> That's, I mean, yeah. So why, why is Night Train so? Is that why Night Train so special for you? Did you have a similar kind of experience? Yeah, it was just every five minutes you're just like, yeah, no, I know what's going. Oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't know what's going on anymore. Is this a diff- This is the same movie, right? Did I just sleep? I didn't even recall <laughs> sleeping right now. <coughs> I, I just want to jump in quickly, and and because I do remember this, and you guys probably do as well, but um, just give a brief prop summary of the of the other two. Oh no, I could I couldn't. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. There, so, there's one that's like a club so got, that about, like yeah. The second one, death, right? The second one was like yeah, it was like a, a couple a couple go along to this death club where they kind of dare each other in in, in super ways to do things that almost kill them. But they realise it actually gets quite serious and people consistently start dying, so the club gets... How strange! (laughs) Um, And it's all really bizarre. And and I remember the girl is kind of like the last one to go. Rule Um, one about death club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You die. (laughs) Um, And then the last, the very last one is there's a guy and he is going to become the devil. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure Bull and Night Court's in this one again. <laughs> Why wouldn't he be? Um, and and then there's, <laughs> and then there's a girl, a, a girl I think, who is like having these freakish kind of horror moments, but she's also some sort of powerful, maybe anti-Satan. Mm. She's like the other side, and she keeps seeing visions of the Satan dude, who's like this dandy boy, dandy guy, um, who like this speckled dandy who's wandering around the town having parties in his little kind of mm-hmm. fitted black outfit um, and a cane. And then she's like freaking out the entire time, but I think she kind of stops his evil plans somehow. Beautiful, yeah. I, the the main thing I remember about it, I, I, I recall Bull being in it a number of times. <laughs> I lost 
count how many, but I remember the framing device, and I just, I was oh, in yeah. love with that framing. Just kept jumping back to the song. The same, and the same it. bloody song over and, and over. It just like kept shaking. You go, hey, do you remember God and Satan were having a conversation? Yeah, we're back to that right now. And you're just like, really? No one cares anymore. <laughs> and I just, I have to say, I have high hopes for ABCs of death, because if they don't have a framing device like that... <laughs> I don't think they have a framing device at all, actually, oh, sadly. But that, that might show up this year. But How long um, between your panic attack and you ordering the 7-inch of <laughs> dance? What was it called? I, I don't have a 7-inch of that. Oh, no. uh, if, if there is one out there, um, though, I'm a sucker for that shit. I'll probably buy it. So I, I've got the Miami Connection 7-inch, uh, Dragon yeah, Sound, yeah, yeah. playing Friends and Against the Ninjas. So it would uh, go in my... Question. And I actually just brought the soundtrack to uh, Black Agent L- Lucky King when I was in uh, there, which I'll point <laughs> out made absolutely nobody's <laughs> list. But um, not even we'll a just... hint, not even a reference point. Not <laughs> yeah, even no, no, no. <laughs> oh, AKA Solomon, Solomon King. King. I yes. remember this because I was trying to write a review of that year. It was wow. Six, was it? Um, yeah. yeah, that was the same year as Holy Mountain. Um, and uh, I had to go early. I, I, I had to leave after To Live and Die in L.A., so just before Holy, Holy Mountain. And, and I couldn't... I struggled to get the title of this film off people. Like, uh, I think it was something about a black king... <laughs> Um, Tiny Powell on the uh, <laughs> coaster, yeah. Are you making hike cranks there, buddy? <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, and Corey trying to remember the title of this for me. Oh, it's, no. it, I think there was a real missing and I think nobody cared. That's <laughs> the main thing you should know about Pocket. <laughs> like oh, my, my goodness, and yeah. starring Sal Watts and my grandmother's oh, name is well, her nickname was Sal her oh, was Sarah Jesus what? we're getting loose. how did this um, not make your number one well, well so before we get to everybody's number ones I'll give a couple lists of uh, our well Steve Chow is a listener and uh, his film his not film but um, video installation I Leave You Stay Behind uh, just opened to Tatooie this past Saturday yeah, get there it's yeah, playing till February maybe till February and yeah. it's, a, it's a beautiful piece um Nothing like any of the things that we've talked about, and nothing like the films that he are his top five, which are uh, Roadhouse, fantastic, Prime Cut, which uh, oh, was yeah. the opener last year, which is um, I had seen before and might have actually been made, been in danger of being top five for me if I mm. hadn't already yeah. seen it. Is there anyone um, more manly than Lee Marvin in that film? Uh, he doesn't do yeah. anything, but everyone you don't even seen it. Yeah, I owned it on oh, DVD. I just that remember. was one for me that was just like plucked out of obscurity. I was like, <sighs> yeah. Do you remember when they, with the, the Harvester? Yeah. Oh, of course, like, yeah. Where did this film come from? Oh, well, the thing that sticks in my head is that he goes to the bad guy gangster's place to, whose name is Marianne. Um, yeah, yeah. Gene, Gene Hackman, yeah. yeah. Um, he turns up, all Marianne's henchmen have shotguns. Lee Marvin rolls up with no weapons and then just like totally... Overpowers them with his manly presence. <laughs> they all cow down and like, oh, I'm sorry. Well, and also like, and and that scene at the di- the dinner where um, yeah, yeah. she's oh, wearing yeah, that the radically dress. inappropriate <laughs> garment where it's um, diaphanous and yeah, that old dude's looking at her tits at the Just to play my stupid little game again in Yugoslavia, they called it a lion amongst gangsters. As and, they would, and in Italy, it was called the executioner, the victim, and the murderess. I just, I like these <laughs> stupid names. Yeah. They should have stuck with, with prime cut. Yeah. <laughs> um, Steve Chow's other ones: Miami Connection, nice, nice. Crawl. He notes would love to remake this if I was a hotshot Hollywood director. Awesome. One of my favorite childhood films. 
Krell is pretty... I had never seen Krell before, actually. Really? So, um, I think... I, I wish I had seen it when I was 10, because it would have reactivated all those yeah. neurons from when I was 10. Like, if the last Starfighter ever plays, that's probably yeah. the reaction that I'll have that everyone else did to Krell. Yeah, this will be the swap. I've never seen Last Starfighter. I see... Oh, oh, I, I won't say that I'm tight. I've seen, I've, seen <laughs> both, I've seen both, but I saw Krell on um, 35mm when I, was like, when I was a kid. I remember that. That was fantastic. Uh, and Steve Chow's fifth is Kidden with a Whip. Which uh, Nigel and I watched on. Uh, I still haven't seen it. Friday. Oh, it's Beautiful. a fantastic film. W- very well written, black and white. Um, and Margaret as the femme fatale who, um, yeah, takes home invasion movies to a new level. <laughs> and, <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. And um, Such Steve, a good title. Steve gives the uh, honorable mentions of Time Crimes, Rubber, and the up till now unmentioned Zombieland, which was mm. quite a fun premiere. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed seeing that in that context. That was, that was one that could have made my list because it's a film that I really hold dear. I, I really adore that film. I just don't include it as a... Well, you're just biased against the new releases. Yeah, I, I totally, really am. And, and I, I am as well. Like, I mean... Are we talking Zombieland here? Yeah. yeah. You're not a big Zombieland fan? No. I, it was really? fun. It was fun and obviously had one of the best cameos I've seen in a long time. <laughs> um, but I, I oh, just no, found it... No, like, like, I'm not even talking in the context of this or anything. I love that film. I oh, love, love I just, I just found it like um, just peppered with surface references um, which really weren't weaved in that well. It was, it was like, you know how there's a, a big trend towards sort of referencing your cinema quite directly your cinematic roots directly now um, over the last kind of since Tarantino really yeah. um, he's a little more subtle about it Tarantino's fantastic at it Edgar Wright is fantastic at it um, a lot of other people will think oh this is a cool idea I'm going to do it but they do it in a really unsubtle not very well weaved in way and I is this where we come up with you said before The Descent had a lot of references in it yeah that I didn't know it had one reference well, in it well iconic things like the, Carrie like the, the Carrie blood scene her pouring Maybe if I ever watched it now, but at the time yeah. I didn't the know it had The first punching one. through the grave, like the punch. Well, it wasn't the grave. She was punching out of the out of the okay. cave at the end. Oh man! Um, we'll go to Andrew Todd's top five before going to the number ones. Um, Andrew's uh, number one, the Legend of Bigfoot. Uh, has, he knows. No, I, I missed this. I think did you and you missed this as well, Nige? Yeah, I missed. Yeah, it's a special film. It must be a two thousand seven yeah. when you and me both missed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he notes, I think most of the audience was yeah. asleep when this played second to last, wow. and most of the rest of the audience was groaning or booing the whole way through it, but I was transfixed. This lowest of all rents Bigfoot documentary sits legitimately in my five favorite movies of all documentary. time. Well, I think he's using the word documentary loosely, but it oh, is yeah. structured as a documentary. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. And... Maybe he's saying it's not a documentary, it's a spoiler. Or maybe it's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's more like, here's some shady footage of a guy in the trees. Could that be Bigfoot? Oh, well, it could wow. be, but it's probably not. <laughs> but you technically haven't said that it is Bigfoot, so technically you're not violating the yeah, rules yeah, of the documentary. Yeah. Um, sorry, but um, it sits legitimately in his favorite five, five movies of all time and inspired him to track down the director to find out more about it and write several scripts based on it. And um, it was a pretty special thing as the next-to-last film, kind of just losing coherency... And this incredibly poignant moment that I'll never forget of um, Roadkill, uh, that uh, Squirrel becoming Roadkill, that was just way too emotionally intense that would have just played as, as, as silly at an earlier point. 
but as you're waving in and out of things, yeah. and you're suddenly watching this cute animal on the road, and it's like, why is this even in a Bigfoot film? I don't understand. <laughs> and yet here we are. Um, Andrew's number I, two. I just, sorry, I just want to ask. It played as, as film number eleven of the night after El Topo. Did that have? Um, <laughs> did they have anything to do? with And the after rip? Mr. Brooks, which um, <laughs> nobody's brought up, but Mr. Brooks is actually one of my unsung favorites. Um, uh, you know, we've um, Cosmo, for, right? Uh, yeah, the, I mean, just looking at some other ones. I mean, Forbidden World hasn't been mentioned. That was a fantastic Alien ripoff. Oh yeah, Vice Squad was a great piece of. Um, oh, that was fantastic. Film. And um, wow, we just lost all the power in our house. Um, this is going to be exciting. Um, and, uh, um, uh, the Informant, which was a great Soderbergh film. Yeah. Um, I think we've lost power for the night, but we can keep going because yep. we're on batteries. Um, I'd, I'd like to go back to Vice Squad just briefly. Yeah, that that would have that was kind of close on the end. I of recall this. you yeah. loving Vice Squad, by well, the way. And also, it was intense. Did you remember but awesome, that when yeah. we saw Rubber? I was like, "Hey, it's Ramrod." Yeah, yeah. Wing Wings Hauser was a terrific job as the goddamn awful um, pimp. Ramrod, yeah, just awful, totally. awful, awful, and he was the guy that was the uh, the prime bad guy that got tracked down by. He the was Vice great members. in both. Yeah, he was fantastic. Yeah. Um. So we'll go through Andrew's other ones very quick. Uh, Stridulum, aka the Visitor, played just yeah. before breakfast one year and is a mindfuck at the best of times. But at that sleep deprived hour, it pro- provoked groggy cries of what. Space Jesus. <laughs> Good choice. His number four, Godzilla versus Gigan. When most of the film was lost in the post, the final reel played on its own, free of the shackles of context. A solid ten minutes of monster-on-monster action faded to a cool shade of blue by the ravages of time. And, you know, there's something... um, It might not be a bad idea with some of these things some of you just to watch the best reel instead of a whole movie. Yeah. Uh, You know, because I think there's been films like King Dinosaur we mentioned earlier where we would have got the idea within a reel and (laughs) moved on. Uh, Andrew's unexpected um, number five, which I think is as much for the experience as the film itself. Hot Nights on the Campus. Black and white sexploitation shitter that pointed the wrong real order, which meant we saw the ending before the middle. Cute and terminable waiting for the story to catch up with what we had seen earlier. Um, and yes, we see the abortion and then we see the pregnant. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those um, movies of, oh, well, this is a uh, cautionary tale as it were. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, it's such an obscure cautionary tale <laughs> when you don't actually know the order of things. Um, with, with this fall in the night, all I remember about this is it really... I remember being like all that freestyle jazz sort of thing. Oh, that, like, yeah, yeah. I was, I couldn't stop in my seat. I was, I was very excited by this. And film. there was lots of dancing. Yeah, yeah, all, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they had parted the good, flat quite like, a lot. They yeah. spent a long time making it seem like it was a very awesome way to live. And then, by the way, oh, also you get an abortion, it'll be horrible. And <laughs> well, that followed on the heels of uh, oh, Last Exorcism. Yeah, oh, right really? And The Human Tornado, which I reckon... Oh, the Human yeah. Tornado was a pretty special yeah, film. Yeah, that was great. Um, it's sad that that hasn't come so up. So like, There are so many. Uh, and that, that bit where they repeat the uh, car going off the cliff. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> so let's go to number ones. Um, do you want to go with yours first, Nige? I'm sorry to shatter your world, but I've... Uh, all, all of mine have come up, so I'm going to do a... Uh, I'm going to cheat here, right? Yep. I actually made a top Cheater. ten in no particular order, and have yep. been freestyling. So I had um, 
Miami Connection, Night Trench Terror, uh, Kill Squad, uh, The Visitor, Fight for Your Life, Snakes, or Fangs. As yep. I think our print was called Fangs when we saw it. It's um, also called Holy Wednesday sometime. Yeah, Holy Wednesday, yep. yep. Uh, Impulse with Shatner and Night of the Cat. Uh, one, um, I, this is not my number one, but I'm going to mention it because it wasn't on there. Uh, Mumsy, <laughs> Nanny... Oh. Sunny and girly. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I remember hearing so much about this from you and Corey. And <laughs> I had to go home that night. That was my first marathon. I think was it oh five? Yeah, yeah, possibly. I think so. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, it was straight after Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which yeah. was my last. Yeah, yeah. The thing, the thing about this film, and this, this actually ties back into what I was going to mention. Let me just put my shark in down. Um, <laughs> I'll pick it up. <laughs> um. It's the film. The film fucked up part way through, and this is this is a thing where I was, like, I was at um, what was the first year we had like uh, Lemon Grove Kids, the Lemon Grove Kids meet the Green Grasshopper and the Vampire Lady. Now, when that snapped on screen, it like you know froze and burnt, and and everyone everyone should have panicked. Instead, everyone just applauded, <laughs> and I didn't know if that meant like, yeah, we're getting to see like this fucked up film on screen, or they're just like, thank God that's finished or whatever. <laughs> and with Mumsy, how do you say, Mumsy, Nanny, Sunny, Girly, yeah. The the final reel was <laughs> the wrong way around, so it was upside down and back to front, <laughs> um, and people just clapped the entire way through it. <laughs> And I couldn't tell with it because I was loving the shit out of this film, and I couldn't tell if they were clapping because, thank God that's gone, <laughs> or just like yeah, we like seeing we we love the medium as well, and this yeah. is awesome that we're getting to see a thing. But this is like the like twenty year old actors or whatever playing sexy little brother and sister. I'm pretty sure they're in their twenties. They would lure men in by. Pl- like, I'm swing- not convinced it was that legit. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that exhortation. <laughs> Swinging on the playground and whatever, luring men in just to kill them. I didn't really get it at the time. I was just, I just loved this family dynamic. I just loved how I've never seen a film like this. A good I was family film. But it wrong sense of the word, but yeah. Um, but you've seen Toys and Art for Children. Once again, this is my number one. I mentioned <laughs> one I really, really love, and I need to see that final reel. Well, I've seen the final reel. <laughs> you need to understand the final yeah. reel. There we go. I'm sliding that in just because it hasn't been mentioned. Jacob? Now, uh, I'll have to sort of say that mine have most been done as well. Um, what I, I guess. No, I'll say it. Lady Terminator was my number one, um, and that's been mentioned, but there are a couple of things that really stuck out in my head. I mean, the fact that it splices, like, di- direct scenes from the Terminator films. Um, so I, I remember the, the truck blowing up from Term- the original Terminator. I remember her appearing naked, except instead of coming out of time, she comes out of the sea and then sort of robs some people and kills them for their clothes. Um... And then her eye getting, but instead of it being a mechanical eye that is sticking out, she actually gouges out her actual eye. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty damn sure they have an inconsistency, like a, uh, a visual inconsistency, where it's the wrong eye in one of the shots. <laughs> one of the weirdest things I found with that film was that I couldn't tell what they'd done with the dub. It was, it looked like it had been filmed in English, even though it was an Indonesian film, but then it had been overdubbed again. 
in English. <laughs> it was really bizarre. I was going, like, people look like they speak English, but this is clearly an overdub. It was so weird. Um, and then you had, like, um, the classic kind of cheesy things, like, um, I think she was a biochemist or something like that. Um, one of the, the the modern girl, like the the typical you know let's put let's put the lady and we're gonna give I her think her she's like an a, anthropologist. Yeah, she's an anthropologist. Yeah. <laughs> of course, she is. Anthropologist. Yeah. Um, That's exactly what anthropologist just, sounds like, yeah, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and the and they had she had like the 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 sidekick guy um, Snake I think his name was who 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 rode along in the top of a tank kind of vehicle or armored vehicle going fucking a with his fist in the air <laughs> as the Termin- Lady Terminator came out he was awesome that entire thing was just so mind blowingly fun. <laughs> That kind of ill advised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. I can't. It's one of those things. It was so hard to believe that 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 got he made for quite a few of these movies. Yeah, though. yeah. <laughs> well, it's that combination, so but ill advised. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is that anybody can go rent the great movies of our time, right? They can go rent. Um, the IMDb Top Hundred or the Academy Award-winning films. That yeah. All, See, yeah. very important. But to track down Lady Terminator yeah. um, is a much more difficult and a much more rewarding, I would say, activity. So, so I'm am I less less of a man for for not having seen Lady Well Lady if we had power I'd show it to you right actually. <laughs> yeah. Like we're actually not joking about having lost the power. It's quite amusing. Yeah. Um as so I guess I I've got my um number one which is, you know, we've t- touched on both these films, but the back-to-back experience of Night Train to Terror and The Visitor is something that is one of my great cinema experiences of all time, because I've already explained how much Night Train to Terror broke my brain. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the straightforward film. <laughs> and then The Visitor shows up, and um, I was just in love with it from the beginning, um, I have a quite fondness for sort of like obscurant science fiction. I have a fondness for movies with unnecessary funk scores. I have a fondness <laughs> for films that, for no particular reason, cut to large numbers of people doing calisthenics on the top of a building in Atlanta preparing oh. for something. Um, I have a fondness for random scenes where birds attack people. Um, it's like it was this, a film. This that was, was really made. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, and it's. It's extraordinary, you know. There's, there's just no way to explain that film. Mm. That and and there is a bit of a way because there is a, um, uh, it was cut for 15 minutes for export because they thought that might help, but it just made it absolutely <laughs> more obscure. Um, and so what do you the, think? What do you think happened to the to the staff member that said, think "I think helped? this will help"? Well, you know, the thing is, it probably got more plays per day, so it was probably like fine in terms of that. Um, <laughs> but you know, just that young guy, Harvey Weinstein, he's now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who advised cutting this film anyway? Um, there's not. There's actually a great um, hour-long podcast. Um, can't remember i think it might be called how did this get made but there's a yeah, podcast yeah, yeah. on the visitor yeah, yeah. um and it's well worth listening to it doesn't exactly <sighs> explain 
things, but it gets a bit of the my way of goodness. getting there and gets, you know. Yeah, this was one of my favourites of that year as well. Um, that Absolutely. Night Train, Night Train was my, actually my favourite, but Night Train Visitor, again, I, I agree with you, was just it was a, incredible it's a cover, mind yeah. trip kind of uh, just flow. In fact, that whole flow, because we started with um, the Midnight Film with Paranormal Activity that year, um, which was pretty wicked. Um, and I, I don't do well with horror, and so I was quite tense after that. And then it went into this bizarre little kind of softcore thing called Maidens of Fetish Street, which was set in like the 40s or something. Um, oh, might go have made this, yeah. And, and that was just like this, this kind of weird kind of patchwork thing which pivoted around a guy who had um, sort of guilty pleasure issues about going to a whorehouse and I like how you're pretending it out of pot <laughs> <laughs> well the thing and we kept cutting back to this kind of um, large woman in in her undies gyrating in a club somewhere um, to ogling people going wah, wah, like literally making that sound but don't think those are, <laughs> don't think those are cutaways yeah. like that scene would then be in four minutes <laughs> and then it would pop back to this guy who's in this ho- in this kind of whorehouse on Fetish Street um, with, the, <laughs> oh, getting, with these women doing things to him and he's kind you of going along with it you wonder what guy named him could it be De Quincey Lane or something like that but then, nah, but then, but then get this, you've got this kind of softcore film it's going on and then all of a sudden it will drop into um, a scene of a pottery thing happening and <laughs> quoting existential poetry to jazz music. It was oh, really yeah, wet. And then suddenly the woman is gyrating again. Oh my goodness, it was I so know, weird. Man. The jazz music woke me up. I and, was, I and then was from very there, happy for it, it went to like the death knell of everyone, which was the middle of the stone woman, which I stayed up through <laughs> thinking, what the hell is this weird thing that's going so slowly? And then Night Train to Terror was awesome. And then The Visitor. And, and the visitor kicks off with this guy that I remember being a bit like Obi-Wan. And I thought, this is some kind of bizarre Star Wars kind of, not spoof, but kind of ripping off some of the ideas. And then suddenly it was the Omen with the little girl who's trying <laughs> yeah, to kill her parents. And, and well, then there's like boy, yeah. ev- evil, evil killer birds sort of attracted to her. It was so weird. It's and like Close Encounters he... Rip Off. Let's not forget that the Close Encounters yeah, Rip Off. Oh, and... If you tried to orchestrate a film, if you were like in this day and age trying to orchestrate a film... I've taken everything that everyone's loved from all the marathons. I'm going to boil that all together yeah. and make the perfect movie for them. You still wouldn't get better. <laughs> and then, and then that to visitor kind of, to refer- night train to, run. And then to reference some um, sort of sci-fi, Lance Hendrickson is like <laughs> yes. the, the kind of the weird occultic dad guy. And, oh, what the crap! <laughs> and then Nigel went to sleep. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, missed yeah. this girl getting surrounded by a whirlwind of birds and taken off to another planet by. I'd like Space to think Jesus. that 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 complements the movie that I, I missed the first oh, ten and the last goodness. fifteen and it's still one of my top five. <laughs> I think I like and to she, think that. she turned from you evil films in your top five now. <laughs> <laughs> she turned from an evil killer into like this kind of proto Jesus with cancer patient children on a planet enjoying mm. the. The, the beings that they are. You sound like you're complaining. Oh I don't know. No, I'm not. I'm just, it was so. There was so much in that film that was too awesome. So we've got two more top fives to okay. uh, close out. We've given yep. our top fives, but uh, Steve Austin, his number one is actually a film that somehow nobody has mentioned yet. I'm really? surprised nobody wow. because it is pretty oh. spectacular, and it's from that same year. I missed that. Howling Two. Your sister is a werewolf. Um, it's a pretty special film. I hear um, the, the title credits, alone. I hear the credits are pretty 
the, the credits. The, the, credit, yeah, the credits are extraordinary. Um, the film itself is also pretty extraordinary. It's uh, it's good fun. Um, number two, the utter catharsis of the legend of Bigfoot. Number three, getting a massage during the backwards section of Gurley. Thought I died. No, that was that was the year that they actually had a masseuse there. I remember getting a massage during really one film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. There are free massages. Oh, and, yes, uh, I do remember that now. Yeah, which is um, sadly not probably not on the cards this year. But I was if you're the listening, only guy. Aunt, I was the only guy at the front of my seat, just going, just quickly switch it around. I want to know what happens. And nobody else cared. They just waited yeah. for that masseuse. Yeah. Oh yes, that was Confessions yeah. of a Young American Housewife. Um, number four, the triple punch premieres of Napoleon Dynamite, Team America, World Police, and Saw. That was before my time. Um, and number five, Steve Austin's got my back on the Holy Mountain. I'm glad oh, somebody has my back. And. Um, the last I saved uh, Steve Skeet for last for two reasons. Oh, Skeet. One is that um, Skeet, in addition to sort of being my entree into um, the Auckland uh, movie marathon and just general film geekery in this town, uh, writes novel-length wrap-ups of the yeah, marathon yeah. every year. And by novel-length, I mean literally twenty <clears throat> to 30,000 words. And I've create, read shorter novels. And create soundtracks. Oh, yeah, and create soundtracks. If you see them at the marathon, ask him for the soundtrack, and uh, you'll get one. Or if he doesn't have one there, he'll burn one for you soon. Um, so he, of course, has written the um, longest one. I told him not to write 20,000 words, so he only wrote <laughs> 1,500. Um, what a good he, guy. He's, he's given us some um, some other ca- um, categories as well, um, so uh, maybe we can add to those. Steve Skeet, top five flicks in no particular order. The Descent, the best opening Sucker Punch film to date. A pristine new print of an unannounced new release with a kick-in-the-balls opening, scary-ass script, just the right amount of blood, and great characters we wanted to survive. Only to have the movie go, yeah, good luck with that for the next 90 minutes. Can I just interrupt there and just say, my, my thing with The Descent, and I love The Descent for a completely different reason, because I watched the first half just going, this film sucks. This boring fucking woman talking about fucking exes. This is so boring. <laughs> and then you see something move in the background in night vision. Oh, what a good film. But yeah, I, 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 maybe I missed the log sequence. I don't know. But yeah, did you miss the bit where like her boyfriend got her head taken off? Got his head taken off? Okay. I don't know. The next half hour is, could continue. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Steve's Gate number two, we might have heard about it recently, The Visitor. <laughs> yeah. the, the nailed it moment for the pre-breakfast flick of death spot. And I think yeah. that's that's a tradition, is just having something before breakfast that really breaks your brain that's wonderful. But it's, it's almost mean having it there, because you're like, I want to see that film properly. And that <laughs> slot... In some ways, didn't you hear last year was kind of perfect, because... It was oh. insane, but if you slept through it, you probably would be okay. His <laughs> yeah. um, notes on that. Bizarre enough to have your sleep-addled brain rebelling, bombastic enough to keep you awake, and with Lance Hendrickson in a role that just seemed to confuse the hell out of him. Having to cut <laughs> the chops off the prologue made us look the same way. His number three. The Thing. Okay, most of the fan favorites could, flicks could go here. Although Mad Max 2 gets a point off for ear-shredding volume issues. But seeing an albeit actual 35mm print of the best horror of the 80s, priceless. Yes. Number four, Miami Connection. Like, I wasn't going to include a movie that mashes martial arts, ninjas, drug smugglers, and musical numbers with martial arts moves in this list. Bug shit insane in one of my new favorite trash classics. Bring on the Blu-ray. 
And number five, um, which is a bookend to Aaron's, uh, Miracle Mile, the film that rounded out my first marathon, the 10-hour ass chafer of 2002. Most respectful crowd ever for the final flick and a perfectly apocalyptic way to finish the night. Beautiful. Best br- and now we get into Steve's additional ah. categories. Best Brain Breakers. The Holy Mountain. Listomania. Didn't you hear? And I've got to say, I have a real fond spot for Listomania. I had seen it before then. And I loved that <coughs> film. And I still love that film. Everyone else I thought hated it. But, um... I love Listomania. Oh, good. I didn't find that brain breaking at all. I just... I, th- I found it fantastic. Um, I just found hear- every 20 minutes is a different... It's a different movie. No, sorry, for 20 minutes. Every five minutes is a different movie. <laughs> I, yeah. I got a point. Um, and I, I, I won us... Um, or got a significant point in, in a pub quiz team that I play for, n- having seen Listomania. Because they asked... Uh, the question was, um, which musician has played both... Um, some I, it was two positions, like one, and one of them was the Pope. And I thought, Listomania, yeah. Ringo, Ringo Starr, Ringo Starr, Ringo Starr. Yeah. <laughs> Well, my I said to my dad today, my dad's a huge fan of um of List, and I, I said to him, he used to be a rock and roll fan too. In the in the in the seventies, used to go to a lot of Western Springs concerts. So, Do you ever see l- this crappy thing called Listomania? I just saw, and he's like, Yes, that rings a bell. And I'm like, Rod- Roger Daltrey was in it as List, and he's like, Yes. That rings a bell. And I'm like, let me chuck, let me chuck the trailer on. I'll show you. This is like two hours before I came here. Yeah. Chuck the trailer on. It's pretty much bikini girls hanging off the bottom of a giant penis. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much. Yeah. And, 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 let's not forget Wagner is the Nazi space zombie or whatever. Oh yeah, vampire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nazi, Nazi space zombie. Uh, Nazi space zombie. <laughs> my mistake. Uh, back to Skeet's uh, awards. But didn't you hear? My goodness, that almost killed me. But didn't you hear? Didn't you hear? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The Gary BC. Oh, oh man, I stayed awake through that, but God, it you was... and barely anybody else. Yeah, I did oh, as well. I would love to love that film. I can't love it. <laughs> <laughs> I suggest though, look up the. I, I there were two films after last year's marathon that I felt compelled to look up the making of, and one was Miami Connection, yeah. and the other was Didn't You Hear? And both of them have fascinating stories <laughs> oh, online. I'm sure they do. So, um, Steve Skeet gives the Check the Volume Award to Desperate Living, which we've discussed on the yeah, other yeah. side of it. He oh, knows his it. ears are still bleeding. The movies that look the most like the inside of my eyelids award go to Blood and Mill of the Stone Woman. Oh, yeah. Oh, both of those, I remember. Stone Woman, yeah. Yes. And I remember Blood as well. That was only a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, Andy Milligan. No, yeah. it was this past year. Oh, yeah, 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 with yeah. the vampire and yeah. family. And, yeah, no, I stayed yeah. awake for that. Uh, Beach Red is the one that um, I oh, slept through as that much. That was of, another one that yeah. was terrible. War that movie. War movie. That, yeah. Um, biggest crowd splitter. The climax of The Last Exorcism. Did you, were you guys there for Last Exorcism? Yep. Yeah, I was. Yep. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that film. But, yeah, uh, yeah, really? it's it gets all supernatural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With, uh, the, with the spoilers. Yeah, the, yeah. Blah, spoilers blah, blah, for yeah. a five-year-old movie that anyone who's sorry, I'm cared working, to see I can't it. remember the. It was yeah, the, it's, the it's, devil a, it's a documentary it about the yeah. guy who's like, oh, I'm. I can't I remember the last five. He was an ex-priest, and he was. Um, oh, you you can't remember the last five. Yeah. So he goes into a field and all those sorts of shit going on. Um, they think the sister's a bit crazy, and then realize actually, maybe oh, she flames in the feet. Yes, yeah. no, I do remember. But then sorry, they realize the whole family's in on the gig, and they're all Satanists. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I apologize. I do recall. Um, Spoiler, sorry. Yeah. Because you're confused w- with Kill List. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, we were also in it. Oh, wait. <laughs> um, I haven't seen Gilbert, so... Oh, uh, yeah. Really? Oh, you need to change that. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> biggest whoopsie moment. The bone speaker that resulted in Beach Red playing at four in the fucking morning. Oh. Um, I don't know what the bone speaker had to do with that, so that's probably an inside. There was there was. There wasn't lot... Beach Red. There was one that someone had to go and pick up Beach another Red speaker. Beach Red was in the land of pink. Yeah, I remember there was, that room, year. But... There was like a whole bunch of stuff that went wrong with like the projector and then the speakers, and we had to keep like checking stuff off and then putting competitions at the front. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I remember. But there was there one being... when the thing kept squealing. The speaker yeah, was yeah. like high pitch, and yeah. someone had to go and pick up another no, speaker. Yeah, speaker That's or right. something. Yeah. Do you know in Napoleon Dynamite? Sorry, this is probably not even tight, but someone on Napoleon Dynamite they cut the credits off. And someone was so outraged, and they're probably listening to this right now, someone went home and got a torrent copy so we could see the wedding scene that comes after the credits and played it on, like we played it like three movies later or something. Do you remember, um, were you, either you guys there for the marathon, where the guy, like they would often have reels of trailers, and I do miss the retro trailers that would play. Oh, yeah, yeah. But like yeah. one time at four in the morning, some guy like is like, oh, I've got this reel of stuff. And he put the entire credits to A Bug's Life. And, like, the <laughs> no. theater went into active rebellion. It was amazing. <laughs> they were just so angry. Because it was just, like, four and a half minutes. <laughs> so it, was just, it was just the credits to A Bug's Life with a couple skits in it. And it just kept going. <laughs> oh, no. And we're like, what? He's like, oh, it's a, the film thing is great. It's just As so a Pixar awkward. fan, I'm sure that would have been great, but not in America. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Certainly not at that time. Oh. Um, Skeeter's less, least favorite marathon flick. A tie between Behind Locked Doors and Psych Out to Murder. Um, I haven't seen Psych Out to Murder. Oh, behind Locked Doors I is like, a exploitation with I, Henry Kissinger. I loved Behind Locked Doors. Yeah, it was kind of creepy because well, the guy I, looked like Henry Kissinger. I gotta go with I enjoyed Psych Out to Murder. Sorry. Right. Um, yeah. Psych Out to Murder, I think, was the one where they had the warning at the beginning where there'll be spirals like overlaid on the film yeah. and that's when people were gonna like run out down the aisles and like stab you in the knees or whatever. Oh. What year was that? I missed that. Maybe, I don't maybe think that's the wrong film I'm thinking of. I haven't of. seen that one, I don't think. I suppose nobody's mentioned Moonshiner's Woman. I'm just looking at all these. But Behind Locked Doors, yeah. that was... Yeah, the, yeah, that was that 2006. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was someone with the dodgy professor who lived in the house who rescued the two girls like who were going to get gang-raped yeah, 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 the yeah. barn dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But only to, like... And yeah, yeah. doesn't and give stuff. reasons why these were his... No, he didn't. So, um... And then his his personal highlight, the spontaneous kung fu tomato fight with Andrew Todd. So, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, there's lots of things that happen on stage, and uh, I think right. he was probably involved with one of them, because right, right, right. that seemed like quite his cup of tea. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're kind of uh, reaching the end, and um, any uh, sort of wrap-up thoughts other than... If you're still listening and you're on the fence, how can you Get along, possibly man. be on the fence? Because you know, like, if any anybody want to hazard a guess at what might be there? Well, there's there's the potential of ABCs of Death, I suppose. Although yeah, it hasn't oh, yeah. been rated in this country yet. There's the potential of Django Unchained, but I don't think. Yeah, it's I think more likely ABCs. Uh, I'd of, put money. A... That won't. Oh, that won't. What's that? Django? Yeah. No. Yeah. ABCs I'm going with. Yeah, yeah. Django. We, we've had a bit of discussion. However, um, last year I put money on... I mean, Corey had a money bet and I went with extraterrestrial. Well, that didn't play. Oh, no. Well, I guess it could play this year. It still hasn't shown. I well, we as in... What about the FP? Sorry. No, nah, he's not a fan. We ah. as in me... Oh, someone else. I can't remember who. And Ant... 
had uh, might have been Aaron actually um, had been mentioning um, uh, what's his name Jeff shit Jeff, Spe- Jeff Speakman films who Jeff uh, Speakman 80s, 80s 90s ac- action dude like martial arts he, he does <laughs> oh stick fighter no what's that guy's name <laughs> perfect something or other is his first one I remember one called Deadly Outbreak or Deadly Takeover was one of the It's like B grade. Yeah, get this Deadly Takeover uh, quote that sticks in my head. He's about to take on a warehouse full of bad guys um, who have all got automatic weapons. He's by himself, maybe with a gun, maybe not. And he says to the camera, This party sucks. There's not enough ice cream and way too many clowns. <laughs> That is awesome. that is actually brilliant. See, my thing at the end of it, I, I think there's two types of people. There's the ones who pick up their Christmas gifts and shake them and try to look through the <laughs> um, print to see what they're getting. And there's the ones that don't. And I'm in the second camp because I've done, I've done that before and I've been like, oh yeah, now I know what I'm getting. But there's nothing to compare with the feeling of just sitting down and having no oh, idea yeah. what you're going to get. And getting to thir- 13 to 14 movies. I don't like of, seriously yeah. getting it, but I like having a guess. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, just looking at last year, like, God, we haven't mentioned Reanimator. We haven't oh, mentioned yeah. Fair Game. Eliminators which, was pretty wicked. Eliminators. Well. Yeah, oh, yeah. Eliminators was Eliminators amazing. was on my thing. I canceled because I'm like, well, I'm definitely going with Miami over yeah, Eliminators. Yeah, but you're like, wow, they're kind of the same. They're so good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one I'd like to mention um, that's because I'm a fucking legend. Revenge of the Cheerleaders um, is the most dreadful film ever. <laughs> However, it's 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 cheerleaders revenging. Yeah. Uh, David Hasselhoff is one of the guys they're revenging against, awesome. and he does a naked shower scene with his cock swinging about. A musical number oh, with his cock yes. banging on his thighs. I've se- I've it's se- it's, it's someone in their in their um, marathon um, little thirty second competition video thing had that. Oh really? So, yeah. <laughs> so, was they, it? I, I was thinking, who is that guy? He looks familiar. <laughs> That's a lot. Um, Boarding House was one that I'm not a huge fan of, but uh, Ant when he did that sight and sound thing, Ant had it in his yep. top ten of all time. Uh, sorry, there's one or two more. I just wanted to. Yeah, I'll quickly slot in a couple of classics. Yeah. that that I that I think are well worth doing, like classic oh, 80s, Snow White, seventies. Oh, the new the Adventures of Snow White. White. Yeah. Well, do I remember that? <laughs> if you're going, if you're about to go to the marathon, you need to know that things like this might yeah, yeah. happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, this is what I call like a softcore kind of weirdo romp film. It's like the the oh my goodness, yeah. Uh, this was like um the fairy tale Grimm's Brothers mm. softcore flick. Uh, <laughs> I just want to say we've got almost foreign... two hours into this and no one's mentioned Ninja Fucking Turf. The Ninja Turtle, oh, Ninja Turtle, aka yes. Street Fighter. Yes, yes. Which, um, I actually YK Kim's other was it YK Kim's other film? I believe so. Yes. And I actually prefer it to Miami Connection. Oh, oh are you serious? YK Kim's involved in Ninja Turtle? Yeah, Turf? man. Yeah, I've never seen Ninja Turtle. Oh, He's acted dude. it. He didn't direct it. Yeah, fuck? yeah. Uh, Ninja Turtle was amazing. Kids. Like by high school kids, we mean people who look thirty years old <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and are supposed to be in high, high school, school and are supposed <laughs> to be in LA, but there's yeah. like street signs behind them that have Kowloon on it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it's ah, uh, it's a stunner. It's yeah. um, it doesn't have the musical content of Miami Connection and yeah, um, but um, I don't know. I've only seen each film once, and on a second. That's the thing about these. The, the, better, but the, a lot of these films, you've only seen yeah. them once. You were sleep deprived at the time. Oh yeah. shit! Oh. 
that is die. No. Um, okay, a couple of classics. Forbidden um, World, remember the Golden oh, Shower? Oh, the Golden Shower! <laughs> yeah. That was fantastic. Mm. That was like, a, um, didn't they actually? They actually had like um, prop casts off from the Alien films, weren't they? Like Chestburster thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like oh, yeah, Forbidden movie. World was special. That, <laughs> that, that was that was <laughs> like was a, that was like a bizarre kind of rip-off sci-fi, but Roger Waters esque. Um, he was. They should have been Indonesian or something. I'm yeah, sure they yeah. should have been country. <laughs> I'm just going to say 2006 and 2009 yeah. are my favorite years. Fantastic. Those are three years apart. Three years after 2009 is 2012. Should I have... Should I, yeah. I, I'm not a believer in numerology, but I, I have a feeling that... Uh, yeah. Stars are aligning, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're yeah, right, yeah. man. 2006 was probably the wickedest um, Don't year. Don't say that. Don't um, say that. And 2009 was pretty damn special. Mm. Yeah, right mm. from Kansas City Confidential or Secret Four, as the opener was fantastic. Roadhouse. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Forbidden World. Vice Squad. <laughs> oh. It and just then goes on. Night goes on. It's, it's value from top to Creature from Black Lake. I, even, I dug Creature from Black Lake, which was... Um, yeah, that was good fun. Had Jack... Uh, what's his name? Elam. Jack Elam, yeah. That may have been the worst film of the thing, and it was still really good. Jack, <laughs> I remember Jack Elam was in The Secret Four, and he was in um, Creature from Black Lake. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was fantastic. Oh, yeah, that was a, um, that was a quid quiz question yeah. which actor has appeared twice tonight mm. yeah. I think um, we're pretty much at the point where we should wrap this up because uh, anybody who's still listening I, I, I've mentioned it a couple of times but I haven't actually heard the films okay. um, classics The Mechanic um, yeah how we got this far without wow. mentioning The Mechanic that was insane Charles I Bronson I never seen that before I, I hadn't seen it as well and that was that was just top notch um, crime thriller action film I just, it just had that great seventies existentialist yeah, vibe. Yeah. That, that, um, that was like kind of like if you look at a Bond film now, you go, they suck." Put this film on. Bronson knows how to do this shit. Um, uh, just to finish, finish my silly uh, drinking game, yeah. uh, Uruguay called it uh, "fixed price murderer," which <laughs> I, I thought was a brilliant name, and Spain called it "coldly dot dot dot" without nope. personal murder. <laughs> awesome. Perfect. I like Denmark's the human hunter. And the other one that I think of as a, as a bit of a classic, um, although it's not of the same sort of mold, eighties is um, Top Secret, which, mm, which yes. I love. I, I, I'm a big um, fan of the Abrams, like Abrams films. Like I grew up with them, um, and um, Top Secret was one of the early ones uh, for me. That was before Val Kilmer sort of went up his own ass, and then, <laughs> and then, and then came out of it in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Um, He's been out of it for a while, yeah, but... Yeah, yeah. I, I like the film because I come from the opposite. I, I can't stand the Zucker films, but this, yeah, yeah there's a lot secret. of this film that I really enjoy. Chocolate mousse. So who's going to stick up for Spook? <laughs> hey, man, I really enjoyed Spook. There was, there was someone that enjoyed... Didn't, I think Cliff Curtis had just been through a thing where he'd been, like... <laughs> Find or arrested, or he was in the news for texting while driving, and there was a part. Texting while driving. <laughs> yeah, and there was a part where his he was escaping, and his, someone sets a uh, like a trigger off, and it flips his car over, like they yeah, had a, like yeah. a, a jumping thing. And yeah, there was a brilliant, brilliantly timed. Whoever's listening to this, <laughs> Skeet or whoever it is, someone was just like. <laughs> But why did he die or something? And someone was like texting, and it was, oh, the crowd was. Yeah, it was a great moment. Oh, that was part of the burial ground experience. I was actually sitting next to Skeet during uh, that, and it starts with this short bearded man in a um, some kind of underground tomb, 
and um, suddenly some zombie comes out, and we hear, run, Gimli, run! (laughs) (laughs) uh, The magic. Nice. Okay. Um, on that note, I think that's us. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening to Best Worst Podcast, yeah. and uh, thanks for everybody for contributing your top fives. Yeah, it's been a um... and get to marathon this year. Yeah. What do we, What's the date? December December eighth. December eighth to December ninth. Uh, twenty four hours. Um, Google and, search uh, um, twenty four hour movie marathon. That's so. Yep. And uh, you have nothing to lose except sixty five dollars in your mind. Oh man, for twelve to fourteen films, bargain. Yeah, I have a question. You mentioned earlier in the start, uh, it's a great place to just lie back on a on a beanbag and and watch a bunch of films. I've never done the beanbag thing. No, I can't. I can't do it. How, have you done the beanbag thing? I did the beanbag thing last year. Yeah. How was it? Did you get a beanbag ticket this year? Yep. Wow. I always get a beanbag Dude, ticket. How early were you? I was sitting in front of my computer at Yeah, no, I've I've done the beanbag thing every year since two th- I, Well I, like I started like it used to be that there weren't beanbag tickets and oh, now yeah, yeah. and now there are beanbag tickets but they're sold out. But yeah. um if there's anyone who's on the fence and um, they can tr- they can borrow my beanbag for a film and I'll sit in their seat and then Oh uh, dude, it. like I, I don't think I could do the beanbag thing. Like I got I one, it's, it's purely fair. I, I, won, for me. I, I won a beanbag ticket in the lottery or whatever That's a few right. years back, and then I gave it up because I was like, I'm not going to sit in a beanbag. Because um, you're worried you'll fall asleep or what? No, I just I find oh, that, that, I find me. the regular I'm, seats. I'm scared I'll fall asleep. I find the regular seats kind of comfortable okay. at the Hollywood. No, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> oh, we, we, oh, for those who haven't been, we haven't mentioned um, the uh, the intro. Will it? Will it? How do we get? Oh, that? Margaret! Oh, man, Margaret, I love you. <laughs> Every yeah. year, without without fail, the Imperial March, oh, yes. and everything else in between on the Wurlitzer, yeah. actual Wurlitzers which come up out of the floor, the yeah, only Wurlitzer in the country. In the yeah, yeah, it's um, God, oh, it, you cannot say this is not it was worth magical, your money. Man. It was this, magical. this thing is. Look how excited we are! <laughs> and even I'll give we're props, like I'll, kids in some kind <laughs> of store. And I'll give props to Derek for running a coffee machine during this whole thing. Um, I mean, he, nice. comes, he comes in for films, but thank you, Derek, because man, I love that. I, I, I need my coffee along with my V's. Cool. I'm sure only the contributors are listening, but <laughs> just in case <laughs> yeah. that's not the case, come along, man. Sweet. Take care and see you next time. And this has been brought to you by the uh, Balcony yeah, Double with 12 Year and uh, <laughs> our special guest, Nigel. And uh, shop on. Peace. <laughs> come on.